Good evening, everyone. Welcome to 21st Century Saints, our podcast and live stream series for members and those affiliated with, adjacent to, or hang out around the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints here in the United Kingdom and around the world. Um, we have been talking about this for such a long time now, safeguarding, but we have the documents that you have all been waiting for. Uh, we finally have something to actually show you that has been released by the church um, and it's just come out a few hours ago. So hopefully it will be appearing in inboxes near you. Uh, you should be seeing this on social media. We are really excited to share it with you. Now, before we get started, let me introduce the gang again. We have our queen of safeguarding, Sarah Elizabeth Delaney. Do you want to say hey? Hi, everyone. We've got 21st Century Saints Ruth with us. Do you want to say hey? Hello. And we have, I mean, it looks like he's presiding. We have Nemo oh. the Mormon. But let me just, yeah. before I get Nemo the Mormon to say hey, for no other reason than we completely love her. Nemo the Mormon's uh, mother is someone we're very fond of. And she's done, you know, she's just been Nemo's mom. She just did this amazing, created this amazing human being. So representing Nemo the Mormon's mother. We have mm. Nemo the Mormon. Uh, yeah, get our, our unofficial fourth, fourth 21st century Here on century behalf scenes. of my mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who I've never met, but just, you know, I know she's, she's lovely. She's lovely. Yeah, because yeah, you guys got to hang out, didn't you? Yeah. That's... She's lovely. I'm jealous. Yeah, she, she, she like silent has... fourth, she's like the silent fourth 21st yeah. century saint. Who, who we, we haven't had the chance to hang out with yet formally. So, yeah. Anyway, it is lovely to have you all here. Um, we're going to get we're just going to jump straight into this if that's okay because I feel like you all by this point know who the gang are um just for clarification I I want to just say this before we start one it is so hot here and as a Scottish person who's always got a slight shade of blue to their skin this is unnaturally um not okay so if I keel over Ruth uh, and Sarah can take the reins uh because it is so hot I don't know what to do um, the next thing I want to talk just for a quick moment about before we share the announcement is um, is one of the things that has come up from time to time is how we got here. Um, and we haven't had much in the way of pushback. Maybe one or two people have, you know, told us that the prophet will make any changes that need to happen and uh, we should really be taking a step back. We didn't because we do have something to say and Sarah especially has all of this information and expertise and we have been in this space uh, supporting victims. Uh, we are able to provide a lot of information that can make change and we're really grateful that that has been listened to but I want to just, just speak to this more common thing that we do tend to hear from time to time and that is about who we associate with and who we work with in this space. Uh, we are here together as people who are invested and interested and care about the church and the membership of the church. They are our families, they are our loved ones, they are our friends, um, they are our colleagues, they are where we go uh, most Sundays for most of us. Um, Sarah, Nemo, uh, we you know, we, we go to church, right? When when we can go to church, we're there. Um, so we're very, very invested 
And this is important. And although we have different approaches and we perhaps stand in different places, we all have the best interests of the church and its membership at heart. And sometimes what Nemo says makes me feel like I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit giddy. Uh, sometimes Peter Bleakley says things that make me uh, want to have a, uh, think I'm having a nosebleed. Um, and yet we are best friends and we have stood together in this space. And that's what's made us, I think, uh, so effective because we've all been able to stand together. Um, we are here because everyone has been working together, uh, whether that's leadership, whether that is people who have left, people who have been hurt, um, people who feel like they don't have a place in this church anymore. All voices have been uh, amplified and we're just really, really glad to be able to present this work because people have listened. You know, also, just a final thing, because she's appeared in the chat, we have uh, our Alana in the chat. Lots of love to her. Alana's uh, living her best post-Mormon life. She's graduated from the Mormon space um, and she hangs out with us every now and again. So it's great to have her here. If it wasn't for uh, Alana, we wouldn't have a 21st Century Saints podcast. And as a survivor of abuse, um, Alana's experiences and passion for safeguarding has been part of what's driven this work. So we're thankful for Alana. We're thankful for Sarah's expertise. We're thankful for Nemo's passion. We're thankful for how um, Ruth's analysis and just that we're all here. So thank you so much. And to all of those leaders who've been listening to us. So we're going to go straight to, um, and I'm just going to read this out in sections. We're going to stop and uh, have a discussion about some, um, you know, every, every sentence or two to see if there's anything that we want to particularly pick up on. And we'll just take it from there. So with that, I give you the church's announcement. Um, would it be okay, Ruth, could I maybe get you to, are you able to see that to, to read uh, the first section of it to let us know yes. we'll about this later today? Yeah, so I've got it up on a second screen. So if I'm looking up in, up in the distance, I'm not having a spiritual moment, but uh, just shout when you want me to stop. <laughs> so uh, Europe North Area Presidency, 20th of June, 2023, to Area 70s Mission Presidents, Stake and District Presidents, Bishops and Branch Presidents in the United Kingdom and the Crown Dependencies of the Channel Isles and the Isle of Man. Updated safeguarding policies and procedures. Dear President. Okay. Uh, let's just to stop there for a second. This is how hot off the presses it is. It yes. went out today. Yes. Um, it's gone out to because I was wondering, like, is is it going to be just for for, for a reason we'll talk about later? I was wondering, is it just going to be England who are getting this? But no, so how do the UK right today? Because it's we're mm -hmm. on the eve of the summer solstice. We're we're on the eve of the longest day of the year, and it's kind of perfect moment for change it's it's the cusp of new beginnings isn't it it's um, and I just think if they could have timed it um better you know they well they couldn't have timed it better and I know it was supposed to come out the first of June but here we are eve of summer solstice and they've got tomorrow is a brand new day and it's the longest day they could possibly have to start this process so great mm -hmm. let's do it lovely and you know, just worth saying, we what, what you're probably all thinking in the chat. Um, yeah, the timing of it, while it is is wonderful, we would also have liked to have seen this 
long time ago, but we are here now. So let's talk about um, the next section. Uh, Ruth, can you, can you take on. us through that? So, dear brethren, as disciples of the Lord and leaders in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have a sacred responsibility to care for and protect our children, youth and any other vulnerable members so that everyone may feel safe and protected. President Muslim M. Nelson said in the October 2022 General Conference, let me be perfectly clear, any kind of abuse of women, children or anyone is an abomination to the Lord. Um, Can I be grumpy? For just a second, yes, please. Can I be grumpy? Right. Yes. I don't appreciate them using Russell M. Nelson's image rehabilitation talk, whereby he tried to put some distance between the church and the Arizona abuse case to make it seem like it was his idea to do all this. Because, you know, it wouldn't be a church publication in this era of the church without trying to give Russell M. Nelson all the credit for being the bestest, most wonderfulest prophet we ever have had, um, because that seems to be the attitude towards him. I, I, I just that, don't like that it starts with a Russell M. Nelson quote. Like, this I, know, is I, know exactly what, I know exactly what you mean, but I think that that is politic. I think mm -hmm. it's maybe the Europe North Area presidents throwing a bone towards Russell M. Nelson to say, yeah, you, you know, we were kind of inspired by something that you said in your damage limitation talk. Yeah. But ultimately, this isn't being rolled out across the world, no. supposedly, as the profit for the world. This is being rolled out in a place where we have pushed and pushed and pushed and we've got sensible people mm -hmm. who are going of course we should be doing this of course we should be yeah. doing this so if if that's what the europe north area presidency needs to go do to get it over the line with hq oh yeah you know any of that sort of stuff if that's what they're going to do to make it happen that's what they're going yeah. to do it just it i don't know it grinds my gears it's, this idea that yeah, he's, he, you know, well, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to jump to Sarah in a wee second. And what I'd like you to speak to, um, obviously, you've got a comment to share, but I'd also like you to speak to um, this really important thing that I think if you, because safeguarding in a church background, any church background, um, will play out in a uniquely ecclesiastical way. And for Mormons, it's going to play out in a uniquely Mormon way that you wouldn't necessarily see reflected in other churches. Um, so... It, could we maybe speak, Sarah, just for a moment about what a theology of safeguarding looks like? Um, because while I totally appreciate, you know, um, the, the optics of it, I think that starting point of who who is it, what is it that underpins all of the safeguarding? And that is a clear authoritative statement from whichever current leader is... Um, someone who has status within the religion and also or perhaps alternatively a statement by uh that, that has scriptural authority so sarah could you maybe share your thoughts and talk to us a little bit about that yeah i mean just just before i go into those thoughts just to Please. say wouldn't it have been fantastic if the letter had also gone to relief society presidents and young women's leaders and primary presidents mm. but let's not you know, let's not ask the world at the moment, but that would have been a fantastic move to recognise that those women are also in significant positions of safeguarding and needing to safeguard. And a huge shout out to the church for doing this. It's taken a long time. It, it's regrettable that it's needed such an amount of energy to get to this point, but fantastic that the leaders are listening. They've sent this letter and they're starting a safeguarding journey that we hope will end in a gold standard of excellence, but we're at a good starting point. Around the theology of safeguarding, I think I've said so many times, 
that we often quote the scripture that remember the worth of souls is great in the sight of God from Doctrine and Covenants 1016, if I remember properly. But we often quote that scripture, don't we? And we need to start acting as a church as if we believe our own stuff. If we really believe the worth of souls is great in the sight of God, then we should be doing absolutely everything we can do to make the church a safe nurturing environment where testimonies can grow where faith can go and people can become the best that they can be and where a safer church includes everybody because what is safe for Nemo might not be safe for me what is safe for my state president might be very unsafe for a 15 year old boy we need to make sure that the safeguarding theology the worth of souls is every single individual whether they've got mental health problems, disabilities, whether they're elderly, whether they're tiny, whether they're disabled, whether they're not, whatever, whether they're sexuality, whatever, trans, whatever, we need to make sure that we really do believe the worth of souls is great. I love Thank you, Sarah. that in Psalms, I love that in Psalms 121, it talks about us being keepers you know we are our brother's keeper and the word keeper when you translate and look back at the kind of ancient greek and hebrew and latin and all the rest of it the root of that word comes from safekeeping so safeguarding is very much about being our brother's keeper and the savior himself has given us such examples of what will be happening to people who harm any of those children so we need we need to get serious with this theology we are our brother's keeper safeguarding is one way in which we actually show that for one another and adhering to the worth of souls is great in the sight of god you can't you can't well there's nothing more to say to that is there if yeah. we believe that we do it absolutely stones out hanging them around Ex yeah let's let's definitely do that so we we have uh so far this is for the whole of the uk and we've got these clear authoritative uh statements uh ruth do you want to do you want to keep going carry on. so the church's existing policies and procedures and the doctrines that underpin existing safeguarding measures are contained in the general handbook serving in the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints and in other church materials after careful consideration the area presidency approved an update to safeguarding policies and procedures for use in the United Kingdom and the Crown Dependencies of the Channel Isles and the Isle of Man, called Safeguarding Policies and Procedures of the Church of Jesus, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in the United Kingdom. And that can be downloaded here. So we've got a hyperlink for that. Excellent. Uh, thoughts on that section? Um, I, think, I think it's very kind of boilerplate and I don't, you would expect me to jump in and take exception with the fact that they say they approved it, but they did. And that is their place to do so, you know, mm. so uh, I'm not actually going to kick off about that. It, it's just, they're stating what's happened. Um, I worry that some of this, that they're kind of softening the blow by saying, well, actually we're just consolidating everything into a nice convenient place for you. And then almost like slipping in some of these changes with that. They're like, okay, we've consolidated it. Oh, and by the way, you're all going to be background chat now. It's not quite that, but, you know, it, they're starting up yeah. front. They're, they're leading people on because this is going to be a big change for some people. So, yeah. you know, there's, they, they need to kind of mm. they need to couch this in a, a slightly broader image of more changes, I think, so that people don't think it's just the background sure. checks. Sure. Yeah. 
And again, it's drawing on that authoritative, um, the church handbook, the, the place where yeah. we always go to look. We're not mm -hmm. doing away with the church handbook, uh, which has sections on abuse and what to do. What we're doing is we're supplementing that or building on it. So I think that's quite interesting. We're drawing on lots of uh, types of authority which is actually really interesting because I, I comment so frequently that one of the wonderful positions that we're in as Latter-day Saints is that if a new policy comes out, church membership are in. You, we don't really need a quote from Russell M. Nelson or pointing out about the handbook or, you know, that even Jesus said it because the membership have bought into it already. That will be carried out. Um, so I, you know, but it's it's important to acknowledge that this is um we're looking at that authoritative um sort of building block. Um yeah. I liked your comments there, Nemo. Thank you. Yeah. Right, Ruth, are we are we ready to continue? Are we go dive down that rabbit hole later. You that, would you like to dive down that rabbit hole right now? We could well, because uh, we it's the good, so now it's gonna bullet point through what they consider to be the main right. matters that we're addressing I if think they we should go through that. that then we can go back to the, the so. rabbit hole. Okay, so stick a pen in that, people. We will yep. be back. We'll come back to it. So the following are the main matters that are addressed in the updated policies and procedures. One, consolidation of church safeguarding policies and procedures that can be reviewed at, and then there's a nice little um, web link to follow, church resources. This website is also being updated with, with additional UK-specific resources. So that will be where we, we're taking you to. Two, calling in each stake of a safeguarding specialist who, under the direction of the stake president, will assist with training in the stake and wards, monitoring DBS checking and online training. Three. And it's worth pointing out just at this point that we have with us uh, what we, the UK's first um, person who was called as a stake safeguarding specialist, our Sarah, um, our Sarah Elizabeth Delaney, was called and set apart just was it was it two Sundays ago it was it was two Sundays ago it was two Sundays ago and, yeah. and if I can just express my gratitude and thanks for the incredible high councillor that set me aside the first time anyone in this church has been set aside to be a safeguarding specialist and for Nemo for making the journey all the way over to Redditch to be with me while I was set apart and for also participating in the ordinance and laying hands on my head as part of standing in the circle along with another guy who I dearly love and I just don't want to mention his name online because he might prefer me not to but I'm incredibly grateful for those two brethren for assisting in setting me apart so thank you our Nemo. Best boy. thing I've done with my priesthood in a long time so. I love Pleasure. that I love that. Uh, do you want to keep going Ruth? Will do. So number three, tasking, I hate that word, tasking mm. family service personnel with obtaining level three safeguarding training and then providing training to safe stake safeguarding specialists. Do we want to talk about that? Uh, I, I think I think I it's good. Questions, but I, mm, yeah. Yeah, uh, let's, uh, let's ask uh, questions, yeah. I think it's something we need to monitor very carefully. Mm -hmm. What is the training that the family services specialists are receiving? And do they have experience of working within that field so that the safeguarding training isn't something that's just going to sit in a silo in their mind, but is going to be integrated into all they know about child development, vulnerable adults, mental health, social inequality, deprivation, culture, because all of those things have to be added up together 
to create good safeguarding training. If, if I tell you that you can get on a website called highspeedtraining.co.uk a same day uh, designated safeguard lead level three training yeah. course, um, maybe it's not going to be mm. as thorough as one it might feel it's as, as in-depth as maybe we would want it to be when that person is then delivering training to somebody who is the safeguarding specialist for the whole stake. Yeah. I think we do need to monitor it carefully. We need yeah. to monitor the training that they're receiving, the quality of that, but we also need to monitor the quality of their ability to train because mm -hmm. you might be a fantastic safeguarding person and be completely unable to deliver training in a way that's meaningful mm. and interactive and develops mm. knowledge and skill-based I worry about conflict of interest, which I know we've talked about before in other areas to do with this, but church family services, um, and I've had people talk to me who have experienced counselling from church family services, is very biased to the faithful narrative. And while that can be helpful to have somebody who understands that context, it can also be really, really unhelpful and, and actually exacerbate problems when people are coming to talk mm -hmm. about certain issues. Mm -hmm. If they feel they're being taken down a route of keeping a family together that maybe includes abuse, or they um, issues to do with um, sexuality or gender and the church the family services personnel wants to promote a particular narrative and a particular lifestyle. And um, I worry that they're already somewhat compromised in their, in their views. Um, I would rather that person was, was autonomous of the church, not, yeah. not reliant on the church for their income. Yeah. I think this goes back to something that Jane and I and, Ruth Nero, we've always before with the church that we would much prefer to see them using an independent organisation with mm -hmm. transparency and safeguarding, such as 318, that a specialist church's child protection agency that almost every mm -hmm. faith community in this country is signed up to that deliver excellent training, yeah. or somewhere like the NSPCC. But I also think we need to let's, let's wait and see what, what the yeah. training looks like. Yeah. And a lot depends on them calling the right person as a safeguarding specialist. Well, so that's what I wanted to point out was yeah. that, Sarah, you are a very good safeguarding specialist because mm -hmm. you have professional experience with this. Um, but we've also got to bear in mind that, you know, the whole thing, the church is a lay ministry and everyone's a volunteer. We It, it could be some person that's never taught anyone anything or done anything like that before the yeah. thing i said i i liked about it the thing that made me go i like that or i think that's good was you see level three safeguarding training you think yeah. okay well at least it's going to be external safeguarding training so the church isn't still relying yeah, on its own it's, internal yeah, training exactly. and so that, that is external could that be is, positive yeah, yeah. if they're using like... a good quality training program yeah. Yeah. and part of that training program should include um how to teach to others almost this yeah. should yeah. almost mm -hmm. be a separate course on on uh, yeah. teaching or whatever yeah. that might so like. what I what I'd say before we move to the next section what I what I would say is I'm already seeing a bit of confusion or a, a lack of clarity for me in the letter between safeguarding specialists and LDS family services and where they both sit within that role and of course later on we'll we'll come to an, another um you know potential tension um that, that sort of sits in that space mm -hmm. while we have this ability to call safeguarding specialists recommendations are that uh safeguarding specialists 
sorry, independent recommendations are that are that safeguarding specialists or leads should be women uh, for all sorts of different reasons, that they should uh, have some kind of expertise or background that would be relevant to that calling mm-hmm. and not just we extend this calling um, as part of something else. A high counsellor could do this sort of tacked on to his job um, yeah. or that mm-hmm. this would be really problematic. Yeah. And then it sits there with... Um, the the role of family services and and the conversations that Sarah and I have had with with family mm-hmm. services these are all accredited professionals that you know th- there would be real uh, threat to their career were it to be considered that they were sort of trying to lead anyone down a particular path. Now mm-hmm. that said, the lived experience of many people, as we know, is that they have not had good experiences with LDS family services. Mm-hmm. That said, sometimes there is a bit of, I think, misinformation or misunderstanding about how LDS Family Services has has changed, how it looks today and how bishops and leaders in particular uh, use that service. You know, we don't just we don't just pick the nearest counsellor and just just send a person off there. There's there's a, a much more sort of robust system in place for how that should work. So I have concerns but it could be better but, yeah. than we were expecting. So that's, that's yeah. Sarah, before we move on, do you want to give another comment? Yeah, I think as far as the, I, th- I think that it's really important. We need to talk more about the safeguarding specialist role in a moment. Yes. But I think it's really important to know that it is possible, certainly within local stakes that we know of, it is possible that the Relief Society president, as a woman, can, I'm sorry about my dog. Somebody's dared to walk past the house. Have you <laughs> met mine? We're good. <laughs> That there, that there is an option for a, somebody to talk to a female, a Relief Society president, young women's president, and discuss the needs for some therapy, some support, and for that person to be able to talk to the bishop on their behalf. And the bishop doesn't need to have a direct discussion with the person wanting therapeutic services. But I'm not sure that message has got out there very effectively. No because not all bishops seem to know that, but it should be possible for a young women's leader or a Relief Society president to sit with the bishop and say, I recommend you agree to pay for counselling for this sister or this brother because they, they've got these needs and don't have to be too yeah. specific about them. And there is, there is absolutely going to be a role That's for that. Now. Um, just as, and, and this is a final comment before we move on. We know that we're in this space talking about safeguarding because people can be very creative about how a system is manipulated, particularly within faith communities. Um, and not just that, we have this this willingness, we have this framework of repentance and forgiveness and safeguarding and people who carry out abuse all sit in that, that space together so that... As as women, or someone who perhaps has been maybe a bit a bit more sort of on the margins, a bit fringy Mormon, you know, the people who wouldn't necessarily um, be called as Relief Society presidents, the people who wouldn't necessarily be called as young women or primary presidents, the people yeah. who ask the uncomfortable questions in the wards. Um, most times, you're going to see someone uh, have a calling in regards to that, that has access to sensitive inf- information they're they're all priesthood holders unless we get to relief society in which case it looks a bit mm. a little bit different but what tends to happen is if a sister if a woman if a person brings a concern 
it's immediately taken over by the bishopric or state president or whichever leader yeah. and that's fine sister we've got it from here and that cannot happen in this space Absolutely. and so safeguarding leads have to be empowered because the reality is bishops can be part of that abusive process we're talking about your friends we're talking about your families we're talking about people who may have committed historic acts of abuse that you feel um have been repented of or moved past that's still part of that you, you know this discussion that we need to have and yeah. so the natural thing that's going to happen that we have all experienced is the person who needs to deal with that will deal with it one-on-one -on -one. and you know if there's anything else we need you for sister but we you know we thank you for your input safeguarding leads have got to be able to keep the church honest and i would imagine sarah as you know in this space you have spent a lifetime of church interactions before you can get to the point where if a bishop was offering uh, poor advice or if there was any sort of threat that wasn't being managed correctly, you know how, how to push now, but it takes a lifetime to get there. It, it does take a lifetime, but also the very, very worst possible person to call as a safeguarding specialist is somebody who wants to be well thought of in the church, popular and well liked, mm. and is not going to challenge and say that is completely unacceptable. Yeah. Anyone who is a safeguarding specialist has got to be prepared to put their head above the parapet and hold yeah. the church to account and hold the leaders to account. And They've got to be someone that's got no love. power over anyone. Absolutely. Right. The only yeah. thing they're enabled to do is yeah. to essentially operate above the system and be yeah. able to call anyone out, right? Yeah, because even talking about power dynamics in the first place is something that um often benevolent male leaders don't really recognise happens because we all yeah. feel empowered. We you know we listen to everyone, and the reality is that's not how it plays well, out. Uh, okay, we see, we see the misogyny in men that always want to ask other men for advice instead of going to the relevant expert, oh, don't we? Yes, yes absolutely. Man, uh, really? Not, okay. not you, though, me, mate. Not you. I was just going to say, uh, in, yeah. in my industry, we have um, compliance and everyone loves to hate the compliance team. It keeps us honest. It's, yeah. it's what mm. we rely on to interrogate and uh, um, assume the worst and have us prove, prove it's not the case. Do you know what I mean? It's that sort of dynamic of push and pull that keeps people completely doing the right thing in my industry for their clients so, but when it comes to the um the, the safeguarding specialist we want people to assume we want them in that role assuming the worst but feeling confident that that behind their back is all of the policy and procedure that they're not in the firing line that their membership of the church isn't in the firing line but that they they know that they are there to be the the traffic warden they're there to be the awkward squad and that's mm -hmm. that's supported and celebrated because that is what we need, whether that will happen or not. You need to basically be called. You need to be calling the people that are physical facilities reps. Yeah, because they they are the equivalent in Mormonism currently of that person. That no one really wants to have around because they're going to tell you you can't stack chairs that you many high, that. or yeah. we've got to change the color of your pews because it needs redoing. We had horrible fuchsia pews just put upon us by physical facilities just oh, overnight yeah, between you. one sacrament and the next. They came in and they yeah. decided to reupholster it, and that was that. It was cheap. It was on offer. Oh That's yeah. So yeah. So you need the same sort of people to get called as physical facilities reps. Yeah. Uh, to be doing the um, safeguards. Yeah. Okay, I'll keep going. 
So next bullet point is the introduction oh. of mandatory DBS disclosure and barring service, checking for those who will serve with children, youth or vulnerable adults, ensuring that individuals with a history of violent or abusive behaviour are not allowed to work with vulnerable people. Yes. Right, do we want to share a comment about that? Wonderful. Can I, just, can I just share a comment? Because we know that 11 billion people are going to say there's no point in DBS checks. They don't serve any useful purpose. So can we just shoot that one out of the water to start with? DBS checks give a message to potential offenders that we are an organisation that believe abuse occurs, we understand abuse and we're prepared to deal with it if we know it's happening. So it can be, it can be an active deterrent to an abuser looking for somewhere to target victims. There's also the potential for a DBS, an enhanced level, to provide information around a pattern of allegations. For example, if you've got a teacher and there's been several allegations about inappropriate or abusive behaviour and they've never been prosecuted, but they've been just debarred from their profession because of that behaviour, then that information, if appropriate to the role, can be shared. So you may know a lot more than just whether or not they've been convicted. So it doesn't only show conviction. So it's a deterrent. It can, if it's deemed appropriate, and that decision's made at quite a high level by different people, but if deemed appropriate, can provide additional information. And it can help reassure victims that the church cares enough to be doing everything they can to keep mm. them safe. Yeah. At Nemo? My favourite argument is always, is always, well, some people won't want to be background checked. Uh -huh. Well, then I don't want them near my children. Well, exactly. It's as simple as that. Well, yeah, I don't want them near vulnerable people. Yeah, near anybody. If they and refuse, well, then they don't get the call. They don't get to serve, do they? Yeah. I also think that we should consider everybody is vulnerable until proven otherwise, almost, because I... I could be vulnerable because of financial concerns. I could be vulnerable because of an, a hidden illness. I could be vulnerable because of um, there's there's something going on in my personal life that's stressing me out. I could be vulnerable for lots and lots of reasons that maybe the people in the pews don't aren't aware of. So when we're saying vulnerable adults, we don't just mean some someone who has a physical physical disability we mean vulnerability in all sorts of spheres and a vulnerable adult could present as an elderly um, widowed sister yeah. who feels an obligation to pay tithing or pay fast offerings when she does not have the income to do so that could be a vulnerable person so we need to be aware that people can can mm. be vulnerable and be mm. um in situations that could be coercive or controlling and we're not even aware that they're, they're not even on our radar at the moment because it's not a small child being abused in a mm. in a dark room yeah. somewhere the united the united nations list of vulnerable people is quite extensive yeah. and can i just check can you hear me okay so we can, can hear yours. you great but i won't see you if you raise your hand yeah the screen yeah. frozen so if you yeah. just just jump in when you need to jump yeah. in yeah i just throw uh, something Nemo, in after you... that yeah um yeah, is that the other side to DBS, and I think we've talked about this before, the two sides to safeguarding. It's making sure people that have done it before and we know they've done it before don't get to do it again. And then it's watching out for people that haven't been caught before and making sure that they don't get away with doing it if they are Absolutely. trying to do it under your nose, right? There's the two sides to it. Yeah. And, and the one side is very important because 
it says here that it ensures that individuals with a history of violent or abusive behavior are not allowed to work with vulnerable people. I challenge any member of the church to read that sentence to say that's not something worth doing. Yeah. 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 If that's all it achieves, excellent. Yeah, right on. yeah indeed. So next, do you want to keep going? Yeah. So importance of ongoing training and education on safeguarding and abuse prevention and recognizing the signs of abuse and responding appropriately. Um, I what I had on, big thoughts about that. This is the part where actually I wanted to punch the ear because if um the if the church takes this seriously, if this uh, plays out, then the way that bullet point tells us it should play out. This is indeed the beginning step, the the start of a safeguarding journey where we're going to see uh, dialogue between safeguarding specialists, LDS family services uh, and relevant authorities, with, you know, whether that's bishops, stake presidents, but right up to leadership in the church where these policies will have to learn and grow and respond to needs. So I'm excited at the thought of this being dynamic of it being uh, of lots of changes and growth still to happen. Now, while I do get that it might make people a bit nervous if we say there's lots more changes still to come, I think it's really important that this is framed as safeguarding as a journey. And this is why, you know, we, we sit here in this space where, you know, great, the church is doing safeguarding, you've got what you want. Well, kind of yes and kind of no it's about being on a journey where we continue to hold each other accountable to we get to a place that we can honestly say this is best practice um and we and we're not at that stage we're in the very very early stages the fact that this is happening without the church having uh, had their their hand forced without any framework saying legally you have to comply with this as um it's had to do in canada and australia and the republic of ireland um and sorry uh, california i apologize california. um yeah you know where, where legal laws uh where you know legal issues have have made this have to happen the church did this the the and leadership I'm, yeah and isn't, it's great that and this is why you know fantastic it's great the church have done this but there is more more to do around dbs for example i know Debbie, I love you, Debbie, who we love, has made the comment about ministers might need to be DBS checked if they're visiting vulnerable members. Well, we we'll have to raised that. that. Yeah. We will get to that. We have raised that with the church. We have spoken about the importance and the danger of pairing young men with one adult and them going off on cars on their own to go and do ministering. We will come yeah. to that more. We have raised that and we have requested that that be looked at and taken seriously. Um, and Nemo, um, before you, before we come to you, the the comment that we have about Captain McConkie, could you hold on to that because we're going to come to that too? Or do you want to do it now? I'm going to kind of slightly yeah. speak to that, just in it, saying yeah. the two words that I think are the crux of that bullet point are the words responding appropriately, and what that means, or or what the people that wrote this think that means, is the crux of all of this. If yeah. they think that means calling a church hotline that's manned by a lawyer whose number one interest is their client, i.e. the church, that's not responding appropriately. If this means that people are going to be calling the police the moment that something comes to their attention, then that is responding appropriately and time will tell and um, we'll look deeper into that, I'm sure. Uh, later on. But that, I think that answers Doug's comment. 
it doesn't. Yeah, it it's does. a huge training issue that we need to continue mm -hmm. to be pushing at to train people yeah. on how they report abuse to make sure that it is done appropriately. And the church helpline is not the appropriate way to respond to abuse. Well, we're going to have more to say about that momentarily. So, uh, Ruth, do you want to do you want to keep so, going? Yeah, I'll read the next two bullet points together, and then then we're mm -hmm. up to where we, we need to be. So. Next bullet point, inclusion in the membership audit of additional questions specifically designed to determine whether key safeguarding policies and procedures are being followed. So it's going to become part of the audit. And finally, stressing current reporting obligations and the role of the helpline, always maintaining open communication and transparency in all matters related to safeguarding. So I think it's a little bit of a nod there towards... We don't want to, there's still the, the current reporting obligations and there's still a helpline that's relevant. I have massive issues with that. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Sorry, I, I held out a little bit of hope there for you, Doug, yeah. in the comments. Uh, and it was Let me, brief, yeah, swiftly well, snatched away. Yeah. Let's let's do the, the good part first. Okay, it's <laughs> going to be part of yeah. the audit. That yeah. is fantastic. And we are going to have the resources to do that. And safeguarding that is... specialists, one of their roles is going to be to participate in these audits. So that is an opportunity to Hang seriously on. challenge and question. Yeah, It is an Nemo? opportunity, but as we've seen by other church audits in the past, those audits can very much just be, oh, it's all fine. We're playing by the internal rules that we set ourselves. It's all good. Mm -hmm. you know, the church can auditing department financially... Nemo, let me hear by... Mm -hmm. Well, Nemo, let me hereby publicly pledge on this podcast forever engraving into the memory hole of the internet, uh -huh. this safeguarding specialist will not be rubber stamping any audit. And oh, you won't? Be, and it will not be any audit like the one the Church Financial Committee does. <laughs> Trust me. There you go. Everyone, if like you want that. an actual audit, go to Coventry Stake. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you know, what, what that will look like, in is... and I'll just go. I'll just go out and audit all of the stakes across the country. Just <laughs> state presidents. Hey, there's less them. of them now than there was two weeks ago. So you'll work is. those just yeah. lighter. So just call me, and I'll rock up and do your audit for you guys. <laughs> so what it's what it's going to look like in in real terms is that the church area leadership, all, all you know, all over the world, the areas who have on their lists of people who are called to work with um, any vulnerable group who should have done safeguarding. The church knows right now and has the data uh, on how, you know, what it looks like. How, how frequently are people uh, completing it? As, as, has it expired? Who are the people who have never completed it? And safeguarding specialists get to be involved in that. Now, it's going to be really interesting, um, Sarah, chasing potentially priesthood holders <laughs> to say why haven't you done this training that's a little bit of an interesting dynamic i'm quite looking forward to seeing play out across the united kingdom yeah. um but it, yeah but in real terms it's fantastic that the church have the resources to be able to do it and th th if the training isn't the done they know about it so great mm -hmm. at the moment they know about it and so what if you don't do it you don't do it no one's going to mention it um yeah. no you will not be able to serve in your calling you'll have a safe stake safeguarding specialist up your ass uh and the you know the, there could be sort of yeah. repercussions about your calling and that's a big um lds no no we don't we don't like to whilst whilst we're on that one can i just mention that yeah. as quick as lightning we need to 
absolutely smash out of the ballpark. This ridiculous notion that it's acceptable for them to do safeguarding training a month after being called into post. Because if you could do it a month after being called into post, you might as well tell people it's not important, it doesn't matter and you don't need to bother with it. So it's either important and worth doing, which actually the church safeguarding training video isn't worth doing, but it's part of the policy, therefore has to be done because it's part of the policy. But if you can do it a month after being called, that doesn't really tell people we're taking it seriously, does it? No. So and if, if you apply for a job in a school, if you apply for a job in a, a, an old age people's home, if you want to go and work in any sort of um, volunteer position, working with people and one-to-one, -one, you've got to go and get your DBS check first. You're not, even if you get through the interview with flying colours, you are not stepping foot into the premises until you've got that DBS check signed off and, and you know, you're all sorted. And you're not starting active work until you've done the basic training. No. Yes, I can speak to this personally. Anymore? Um, at mm -hmm. the start of my last job before I started doing YouTube full time, um, I got my DBS check prior to me starting my position. Uh, and then I was a member of staff and all that sort of stuff, but I wasn't seeing patients until I'd completed my safeguarding that's, training course. That's right. The, and the e that's the way it should be. That's yeah. the way it should be. Not, oh, you've been here a month, Nemo. You've seen a couple of hundred patients. Mm, can we just do a bit of training now? Make sure you know what you're talking about. Make and sure then I want you to think it. back through those hundred patients and just make sure that none of those little girls seemed like they were coming from an abusive house or none of those little boys seemed like, you know, yeah. they were brought yeah. there against their will. Yeah. Um, I, I you can't spot those things in hindsight. Can you give me a list of everyone you've seen? Because now you've failed your DBS check and your safeguarding training, and we've got to now a pro to all those people and make sure that nothing untoward happened. Because yeah. um, now we've got responsibility to let them know they were working with a convicted criminal of yeah. some description. Yeah, I mean, you're speaking to a really interesting tension. I think that um, in the UK, employment laws are so stringent. It's just what what you would expect. And then we go to church and it looks completely different and so people have been sort of sitting in this space of of cognitive dissonance where we know that it doesn't really look like that and and, and i think it's that situation that's brought us to where we are um my my son um has uh complex special needs um we and the idea is we engage a service to be able to look after him. You know, it might be very tempting for us to be able to say, look, we really need staff to look after him. We know this guy from church. We know this woman from church. Um, we could employ you. And DBS checks have to happen around that legally. But in order for, uh, you know, for, to wait for those coming through, we know you from church. We could we could just start right now, or if there's any sort of uh, you know, not just the DBS checks, but the specific training, um, not the general how we handle people, how we uh, negotiate conflict, but specific training as it relates to my child, and this is what I think we're lacking overall in the church that we don't have a really good safeguarding training model that is unique to the issues that we see in church. But that's that's a broader, you know, much, much broader discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, let's keep going, Ruth, with the announcement. What else have we got? So um, it then gives us a really nice breakdown. And we, I, you guys have already announced all this, so this is great. because they're just, they're just backing up what you've already told everyone. 
Um, so the updated policy will be effective on the 1st of July 2023 with the following implementation steps. So the family services personnel have already undertaken their level three safeguarding training, tick that box. Um, they'll be calling and training of stake safeguarding specialists by the end of August 2023. There'll be completion of the first year training of all stake and ward councils by the end of October 2023. The DBS checking of all serving with children and youth will commence on the 1st of July 2023, so 10 days time, to be completed by the end of 2023. So they've got a period of time to get that done. It says stakes will be contacted individually about their start date for DBS checking. Eligibility list of callings is enclosed with this letter and step-by-step -step details for the use of members and leaders will be provided in due course. All that have been serving with children or youth for more than a month and have not yet completed the project Protecting Children and Youth online training should complete it by the end of September 2023, training ongoing thereafter. And finally, to reinforce safeguarding principles with ward members, the bishop or someone under his direction should prepare and present, so, sorry, should prepare and teach a fifth Sunday lesson in July or October using this presentation. And there's a hyperlink to a presentation. Can I say then, something sassy? Yes, of course you can. And, yes. and, 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 and just, I need to get it out. So this idea that you've got six months or, or five months, really, to get everyone DBS checked doesn't take that long it doesn't and i wonder take that i wonder long. i wonder whether it's because a certain law firm that's going to be uh, handling all of these may be overwhelmed by the sheer volume of these things needing to be done um and so they will require five months to be able to do them all and maybe that might be an indicator that some other organization that's better equipped to do this say an external organization of some kind possibly ought to do it so if they're using that particular law firm because they're doing it um ex gratia and and not charging anything for it for the admin cost or whatever because they're yeah. members of the church i can kind of understand why they're willing to wait six months for it to go through but i see if they're going to get paid for doing the work then when did it go out to tender and can we please have have a company pick up that job who have the capacity and aren't mm. conflicted by other things that they might be doing for the church well, I think it's. I think Ruth. I think you've raised a really, really interesting point there because for volunteers, the DBS check itself is completely free of charge. Yeah. But anybody who does the work to undertake the DBS check, like checking documents, putting it on the system, sending the application in, receiving the information back, all the rest of it, anyone who does that is entitled to charge an admin fee. So I think I would actually like the church to say how much the admin fee is that they will be paying to whoever has undertaken the DBS checks. How much is that admin fee? And is there any organisation that could do it more quickly and more cost effectively? And mm. why have they made the decision to use the firm that they're using? Because, because I, I the cynic in me says... They want to use Let this in-house be firm. Before, before you, you, you see this, because uh, I think it's really important for our international audience mm -hmm. to understand, because uh, Doug, in the comments, you're asking, does this mean uh, they no longer call Captain McConkie first? We're not talking about Captain McConkie, right? Would you no. like to... All right. So, I mean, if you go to that hyperlink earlier where it said the word here, you go yes. through and look at the church's DBS checking website. Um, are you able to get that on screen? 
I, can, well, it will I can take vamp me a moment. while you do that. Yes, yeah, so, do vamp. Do vamp. <laughs> vamp. Uh, but essentially, we've talked a lot about Andrew Ford before um, and the testimony he gave to the government inquiry. He's officially represented the church. The church is his client as a lawyer. And so um, that may, I can't say it will, but it may create some conflict. Um, and, and the reason we know that he's going to be undertaking this checks is because the church has got a page that Jane's going to be getting up on screen um, that will launch on the 1st of July uh, that is going to show people how to, uh, it's going to be a portal of some kind for people to access DBS checking. And his law firm's logo is on it next to the DBS check logo. Okay, here, here we go. go. So DBS checking coming soon, July 2023. You check disclosure of barring service and then Andrew Ford solicitors. And part of me wonders, and it's just wondering, part of me wonders whether the reason they're using this law firm is because then they have control of the information they get back from DBS. And so anything that might make the church look bad, i.e. they do a DBS check on someone that they've had in post for a long time, and some people kind of did know that he was already convicted, um, say that were to be the case, then the church can control that information rather than having to go to an external party. Because what we do know of the history of the church, for the, from the fact that they have a hotline, and from the things we know about the Arizona hotline, is that the church cares about controlling information about itself, and it can cares about its image to the outside world. So they don't want an outside group having access to this info. That's my my thinking would be that's, that might be where they're coming from. I think there's a lot of reason to kind of question and be concerned about this, but I think we absolutely need to be calling upon the church for complete transparency in this process. Mm. How much are they paying for DBS checks? And we know that they like to say that their financial information is confidential, not secret. But actually, how much are you paying for this? Because it would be really useful to know. Mm -hmm. I also think we need to know how the information is being stored, what are they doing with it, who will have access to the information. And the other bit that I haven't seen any reference to yet, and I'm hoping it's written up in details for people undertaking the DBS process, is that a DBS check in itself should not be a standalone action. You don't just do a DBS check. As part of that DBS process, there needs to be a full interview of the person there needs to be discussion of the role of the person and some understanding of their attitudes and values around children, young people, safeguarding equality. There should really be a reference provided on every person who they're undertaking a DBS check from somebody who's kind of external and independent, a character reference. And there should be a clear system of what they intend to do with information that comes back that may contain yes worrying convictions or worrying information how will they decide what is relevant to the risk of children and young people and what isn't for example far far too many people seem to think that indecent exposure is a little bit of a joke it's not it's one of the most serious sexual offenses because it's the most recently recommitted sexual offense and all almost all rapists start their sexual offending career with indecent exposure. So if something comes back with indecent exposure, are they just going to think, oh, yeah, a bit of a joke, that, isn't it? let's not worry about it too much? Or are they going to be concerned about it? Hmm. But can I just... You know, so my who are they going to use for that? Because Sorry, Ruth, because what just concerns me about that is who are they using to give them that information? If they're not using an external agency with experts at the helm that can talk through what the information on DBS means in real life, then I'm not confident they're going to always be making the right decision. So I'd be much happier 
if they had people on hand to really talk through what a DBS meant. Mm, yeah. Ruth? I just want to check my understanding. So my understanding is that the in the UK and, and across Europe, if you ring the church's helpline, you go through to Andrew Ford's solicitors mm. and that's it. You, the UK that's and France. I, can confer, that's I don't the, know about the rest of Europe. UK and France. Line. Okay. And, and, and that and Andrew Ford solicitors is what gave the report in 2019, so four years ago yeah. now, to the government Excellent. about what we as an organisation, as a church organisation, do or don't do around yeah. safeguarding and, mm -hmm. and patting ourselves on the back. And we've only had this many cases in this many years, blah, 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 blah. Well, he and also said DBS wasn't necessary because we had all these other robust procedures and policies. He did. Obviously, he's changed his mind in the last four years. Something must have happened. Oh, I wonder why. Um, but I, 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 I live in the same area as Andrew Ford's listers, and it, it's not a big organisation. And I have my mind's exploding a little bit here at somebody who handles wills and probates in a local small law office. It, it you know not a massive organization by no stretch of the imagination of Curtin McConkey is going to not only be manning a helpline where the church is their client but potentially yeah. handling DBS checking and handling yeah. all of that data is that so, why it's going to take six months well, that was my point hand? yeah are they going to close up the other part of their business mm -hmm. I, I don't well do, do you think before before we we talk more about the details and implications of that because it's a really important discussion it's one that we yeah. you know being aware has to happen for some time now, yeah um, I'm also aware we're not going to be able to cover all of those questions tonight you mm -hmm. know if you do have them put them in the chat or get in touch and you know we, we will make sure that they're covered um we've been focusing on a bigger picture this is a yeah. really important yeah. part of it but it is important to contextualise this because the United Kingdom, it's so small. We are, we are, we all know each other. We, we all, um, you know, we, we are all so closely. Uh, the relationships are all are also tightly bound. That this entire country, um, I'm just really aware that as we're talking about. Um, a company, a solicitor's company. Mm -hmm. It's not like talking about Kirkton McConkie. What we're effectively talking about here is one man, Andrew Ford. And he is very, very well loved. Um, he has done incredible work. He's he's served the church his entire life. He's uh, you know, he's one of the silver fox gentlemen yeah. that I love to appreciate so finely. Yeah. Um, but also because he's been the one person in this position for a really really long time it means that any issues we have been um directly contacted about in regards to safeguarding for the most part this one man name one man's name keeps coming up yeah. and so it's right and proper that although we express love and support and you know and yeah. you're calling that's great there are problems with this helpline because one man cannot 
have this level of, even if you take on a whole load of new staff, this is really, really problematic. Um, so while we acknowledge our appreciation for a member of our Latter-day Saint community who has given a lifetime of service, um, being dispassionate about that, it would be a little bit like Ruth's financial advisor in the comments we had this, you know, joking comment about uh, we nominate Ruth to Ruth Heath to be church auditor. It would be a bit like that. Perhaps, <laughs> though, one perhaps, perhaps there needs to be a discussion about a specific safeguarding specialist for the church being called to work alongside Andrew Ford. See, I... But I would yeah. still rather it as an external agency. I'd much rather That's the it. transparency yeah. of an external agency. And I'd love, to see, I'd love to see what other churches across the UK have done, what their model is, because they've been well, going, they've Ruth, been doing this for 10, 20 years, haven't they? So, Ruth, I can tell you what they do. The vast majority yeah. of them are signed up to 318, which is yeah. the leading child protection agency for churches. Most yes. of them have their DBS checks undertaken by 318. Okay. Most use their training and NSPCC training and, and other agencies and most refer complex difficult situations that they need to discuss and explore to a consultant from whichever yeah. agency they've signed up it's to and and either, business, isn't it? Either yeah. and i'm going to come to nemo say, yeah I, so I, I interrupted nemo a little bit ago but can, but can i also say because it's really important as we think about because we do need to learn from other churches because they have already done so much work in this space. Yeah. Um, also, what they do is they advertise externally for safeguarding leads and officers. I mean, can you yeah. imagine? And how wonderful would it be? Sarah was absolutely flying the other day as, as uh, Sarah came back from her trip away this weekend and she's hanging out. We literally, Sarah and I can't throw a stone without hitting a safeguarding officer for some other faith. It's yeah. so bizarre. They just keep on, on coming out the woodwork. And um, Sarah's talking to someone who's explaining that if someone wants to be in that role or someone is being trained in the role, they have to write 500 words about uh, what you understand about safeguarding. Well, there's four questions. So it's like almost 2,000 yeah. word essay they've got to write. Right. I mean, to, and we would never dream no. of asking a church member to put in that level of work. But do you know what? That's the way we have to start looking at it. Anyway, sorry, Nemo, can I come back to you? Because I interrupted. Yeah, I mean, I just looked up some numbers. There's 3.8 million Catholics in the UK, apparently. And so if you divide that by the number of members there are supposedly in the UK, that's like the Catholic Church only having about 250 people to deal with all of the abuse problems. And we know that their abuse problems are rife and plentiful, and that is not that would not be enough people. No. Um, so one man dealing yeah. with the scale of, of a problem in the UK church yeah. is it's not good for him. It's not good for the church. It's, it's not good it, for him. Not. And can I say I think it's actually wrong that the church have allowed and enabled all of this pressure to be put up on one man. Mm -hmm. who certainly can't possibly be in his 20s and 30s anymore because oh, of the no, so, he's been in his 70s now and he's looking good on it but and, and, and like he's, you say he's worked us really really so. hard all his life uh, serving in the church and he in his has. and his, in his career as well but he really this, but it's and it's and not reasonable the helpline is is either your focus or the dbs checking is your focus to to have to merge those two yes things yeah. together seems very completely and that's my worry when I see yeah. that it's going to take six well, months to 
actually start to sift through people already in callings. I'm thinking, is this a capacity issue? And if we just gone for somebody who, oh, we know him, he's a solicitor, he'll do the job. Put it out to tender. Let's get this ball rolling and let's go with a company that have got all the facilities and the capacity there ready to go and not be driven by are they are they already a member that's that should be completely irrelevant at this point it should i think we have a problem where somebody's mormon cv takes precedence over their professional and capacity and a mormon cv doesn't necessarily mean that you're any good at doing something else and that brings me sorry that that brings me to something i wanted to say about um the fact that they're having to train LDS Family Services with this level three safeguard train. They couldn't give it directly to the state specialists because no calling within this church receives professional accreditation or training or anything like that. And I think it flies in the face of a lot of the church's core mm-hmm. values around a lay ministry. And and this thing they seem yes. to lord about everyone not actually having any real training and people just mucking in and getting on with it. Mm-hmm. They couldn't directly give volunteers a level of professional training because they don't want to upset the spiritual power balance within the church because all of a sudden you've got a man who holds the priesthood which is the only authority we recognize within the church coming up against a woman who says but i'm professionally more qualified than you and i've been given professional qualifications in this subject so you have to listen to me that's a massive cultural clash that you're going to have within the church Um, i think we've got to work hard to help the church manage that i don't think I don't think the church are going to manage that easily. We have got a lot of work to do to ensure that change, isn't it? That, that, yeah. And and so as we were talking earlier on about, um, I already see a bit of uh, confusion or uh, bumping up against um, stake safeguarding specialists, LDS family services, and also the helpline. So I, as you can gather from, from what we have said tonight some of those hyperlinks we've, we've already taken a look at um we've 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 been through what the training that people are expected to do we've seen what that looks like and yes uh, people are still encouraged in the first instance state presidents and bishops are encouraged in the first instance you have to call uh this the the Hot church line. safeguarding helpline well we have we, lots we, to say about that training. We really need we really need to be getting safeguarding specialists to be pushing that they do not call the abuse helpline for the church until they have spoken to external authorities, police, and the local children or adult safeguarding services. And only that's controversial. Are, well, it may be controversial, but I think we've yeah. got to actually hold that line and we've got to keep pushing it. That police Children's services, adult services, safeguarding teams should be notified and dis- have abuse discussed with them. And then the abuse helpline is informed that that has taken place, not the other way around. Can we address Yvonne's comment, please? Yvonne's yes, please. Saying, if a serious sexual crime shows up in a DBS, then could somebody override that? Someone's thinking, being, well, it's historic. Nothing since that per- this person will be okay. Am I understanding this correctly? We need to monitor it, Yvonne, is what I would say. But theoretically, the church are given a very clear understanding that anybody who has a conviction for sexual or violent crime will never be allowed to hold a calling that leaves them in well, any contact with children, youth or vulnerable adults, which actually means there's very few callings in the church they could serve him. Yeah. And they've but said that in this monitor. letter. 
Yeah. Yeah. The, and the church are clear that that won't happen. But like anything and everything else, we need to make absolutely sure because the church have been very clear that they're mm. honest in all their dealings, aren't they, with finances? And we're not totally convinced yeah. of that. So we need to monitor so, it. Yeah, I, we do. But um, I am a big believer, and I, and I want to come to Nemo next because uh, this section, this other sort of addendum mm -hmm. to the letter, is going to be super important in answering mm -hmm. that question. We, yeah. since we first sort of made the announcement that this was coming, um, we've been inundated with questions about what level of DBS checks will people be able to access, um, what will it look like, and you know Debbie's question about can it be overridden. I mean, where I've been coming from is the fact that and again it's bringing the it's bringing andrew ford and the safeguarding helpline into um into sort of the crosshairs again and, and i hate doing that because he's a good good man yes putting that aside people are serving in callings today that have had histories of serious abuse uh, of violence who have had convictions around that who under the new church regulations should be disqualified from serving in that manner now we know that the church uh, leaders take it incredibly seriously but we also know that up until this point they still continue to be serving at some point mm -hmm. morally that was overridden at some point that name was still presented and then presented again to the congregation an opportunity for people to oppose as um as the church points out sustaining supposed to be an opportunity for us as people to be able to bring forward any concerns and those things haven't happened and so really concerned if the person who has sort of overridden any concerns or repentance has happened or here's here's how it looks now that actually when a DBS check comes back and the person who's ultimately making that decision is the same person that, that has sort of been aware of it in the first place. I am really concerned about that. Nemo. Um, so can I just say on this last paragraph, um, which yes. I don't think we need to labour over too much, but um, could I just ask to read it? Sorry. Okay, I, I, I would feel weird if I read it after <laughs> you've read the rest of the letter. We invite all members and leaders to join with us in creating a safe and nurturing environment for all members of the church and those others who worship with us. Together we can uphold our sacred responsibility to protect and care for one another. And you emphasise the word I wanted to emphasise there, which is creating. <laughs> it's a tacit admission that it wasn't safe. We ain't got one right we now. we need to make it safe. <laughs> because... Otherwise, they'd say something like in continuing to ensure it is a safe environment Supporting. or all these sorts of things. Right. But no, they say join with us in creating a safe and nurturing environment. So yes. there, are, there, there's a tacit admission there that it wasn't. And I think that's really important that that's they did them. seem to see that, understand it based on the advocacy work that's been done and yeah. the activism that's been done. They realized that it wasn't safe. And now they're trying to do something about it. And I think that does need to be uh, commended. And even round if they of can't applause. Say it yeah. yeah, because that's nice. what we're supposed to do. Recognize, yeah. oh, we have a blind spot. We have, uh, this is not This is not good. We need to do better. That's what it's supposed yeah. to look like. Um, can I just say, Joe? I know we've yeah. criticized, we kind of, Andrew Ford probably feels that we're probably having a bit of a pop at him. But Brother Ford, we will help you. We will help, we will assist, we will support you if you let us. We will help you with what the church are asking of you because we think the church are asking way too much of you and it's not reasonable. 
So yeah. you, you don't have to do it. You can say, no, this isn't okay. You have to bring in other yeah. people to assist me. And actually, I think that's a really good point because part of my concern is that while Curtin McConkie over in the US is a huge organisation oh, that, um, you know, if, if you try to take down an individual who works with Curtin McConkie, that's an individual. But yeah. here, there's a level of exposure that even were you to take on, um, you know, multiple staff, which is problematic in itself. But, you know, if, if you're sort of thinking towards, you know, other generations or, or other colleagues who come in to support in that work, um, ultimately, it's your name who's... Um, we can you know can be thrown under the bus and that's not okay it's so not yeah it's about, it's about it's and safeguarding is about keeping everyone safe even including andrew ford including the people that the church are asking to do all this work and it's not right. okay for i'd them hate for him to have been set up as a fall guy yeah and that's, that's not, my concern yeah mm -hmm. that's not and, and you i mean honestly if you've made crap decisions if you've put people at risk if people have been directly harmed by the crap advice you've been given then do you know what <laughs> you you would deserve it um however i believe that if someone is um you know he seems to be a fantastic individual we have a lot of um he's given a lot of time in this calling i don't want to see a good man criticized where he has been doing his damn best and wow. yeah so yeah here that's where we're at i want to move us over to um talking about what those dbs checks are going to look like because this is where all the questions have been mm -hmm. so nemo sure okay um so they attached an eligibility list of callings for dbs checking and they split it into two so um you've got the basic check and you've got the enhanced check uh and there are some government set criteria i now understand um whereby yeah, it depends what kind of check you get depends on how often you're working with children and undertaking yeah. certain activities with children and the church to their credit does reference the government's guidance at the bottom of this letter yeah. Uh, and they explained that the eligible roles for a DBS check when working with children in places of worship are um, those that are teaching, training or instructing children, those that are caring for children, providing advice and guidance wholly or mainly to children in relation to their emotional, physical or educational well-being, driving children or those that day-to-day -day manage uh, people that are undertaking these activities. So anyone that's doing that for more than three days in a 30-day period will be eligible for an enhanced DBS check with a check of the children's barred list. Anyone that isn't um, will get a standard DBS check, which explains some of the choices that we can go through now that the church has made around who's getting an enhanced check and who's just getting a, a, a standard check and whether the church possibly could have argued for people to get a more enhanced check or not. Yes. Um, so, yes. Yeah, cool. that's perfect. Sarah, what level of check... Do you want to just explain it for the worldwide audience? Is a basic DBS check sufficient? Why would we need an enhanced one? We, we the, the barred list contains information on people who have either been formally disqualified by a court after conviction that they are not allowed to apply or work with children or vulnerable adults. And their name will be either placed on the vulnerable adult or the vulnerable child children's list. And they're barred from it's illegal for them to either apply or undertake any paid or voluntary work with people in those categories. The advantage of checking the barred list is you will also find people who have been 
professionally disqualified, such as social workers who've behaved inappropriately, police officers, teachers, medical professionals, anyone with a professional registration who has behaved in an abusive or harmful way. I mean, financial people that have kind of embezzled money, you know, from vulnerable adults. Anyone who has behaved professionally in a way that has caused harm, their name will be on the, could and should be in, on the barred list. So it's really important that in as many cases as possible, the church check the barred list. What happens when they apply for DBS is the church will ask, the, the DBS service will ask the church to explain why you think this DBS check should be an enhanced with the barb list. And the church need to explain fully what the calling, the responsibility, what that is all about in order to justify to the DBS service why it requires a high level of check. And that's done to preserve people's confidentiality, people's right to move on. And the church needs to be really sure that they really do think about this and that they're thinking about things like, well, I mean, because I've noticed on here they're not asking for young men's advisors. They're saying young men advisors, DBS check without the children's barred list. I don't understand that. So that's on a yeah, state we'll, level rather than on yeah. a ward level. So oh, on a okay. ward level, they are asking And we'll get to that. Right. Right. Okay. Thanks, yeah. Nina. Thanks we'll we'll take a look out. at that. We'll take a look at that list in a moment. Um, yeah. Can I just say, um, Mary's asking, can we put the full letter on the screen uh, so she can take a screenshot? Um, it's over two pages, so it makes uh, screenshotting really difficult. But what we will do is share it across our social media channels. So if you can look out for it, you should see it anytime now. Just keep a, keep an eye on it. And if you yeah. subscribe, you will be able to get a notification, which would be super. <laughs> cool of you to do that um and if, you else, modest, like subscribe. Well. if you could just hit like subscribe. as well hit we, want likes. we want a few likes we want a few likes we want some likes yeah also if you do you know what we're actually we've, we're only 50 likes away uh less than 50 likes away from our first thousand viewers which i uh feel is cause for celebration and because it's so hot and i feel like i'm hallucinating a little bit and uh this is a cause for celebration before we talk to you about the dbs checks and who's eligible for enhanced and who's not um nemo is uh surviving at the moment solely on the fuel of jammy dodgers oh yeah, yeah. i don't know that our American audience have experienced the beauty that yeah. is Jammy Dodgers. So if you would like a Jammy Dodger sent to you wherever you are, just pop us a message and we no. will send you a, a Jammy Dodger. Can, and can I, you can, can let I us know what you think. That? Can I just trump that with yes. Yes. if we could see the, the image on down to the fridge before we started tonight? Oh, you can't so see So you need to you? explain because yeah, we can't see it on screen. So give us the I opened the fridge in desperate need of substance before we started podcasting. Holds up a and I found a thing in the fridge called a wagon wheel. Now, for those of you that are of my age, you will probably remember as a child being delighted if you ever got a wagon wheel, which is a huge round chocolate biscuit and inside it it's got marshmallow and it's got a base of biscuit covered with jam covered with marshmallow and the whole thing dipped and covered in chocolate yeah and these wagon wheels are the size of the palm of your hand and they're rather wonderful and this one is killing me because i only had to manage to get two bites out of it before somebody oh, no, hit live. i haven't eaten anyway um <laughs> i can fit a whole one in elation. my mouth well i think it's... i just might the elation of discovering you have a wagon wheel 
only to be let down to realize it's the plain original one. There's no jam in it, right? Um, yeah, so this is a, this is a jammy dodger, um, and they are excellent, and you can just pop them in your mouth. I can totally do that with a wagon wheel. I can fit the whole I can fit the whole guy in there and it's entirety unbroken, can I just say? Uh yeah, no, my snacks are digestives, although it's a sad house because it should be tablet or shortbread. Uh Ruth, what are you into tonight? Uh I'm always a Cadbury's girl, Cadbury's dairy milk, all the way. All right. So simple. message us and tell us so, what you need. And if you need the way to up. our hearts, send me <laughs> no jammy dodgers, send me wagon wheels, send Ruth dairy milk and send Jane whatever, whatever. What do you want, UK Jane? folks, UK folks, send. Yeah. Worldwide folk, I will send you a jammy dodger. I will send you a wagon wheel. And if wheel. anybody wants a wagon wheel, message me and I will send you a wagon wheel. Oh, if anyone's coming to Sunstone in October, I think we know what the buffet is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll bring wagon wheels. Wagon wheel, jammy dodgers. So if anybody oh, wants a wagon wheel, let me know and I'll do my best. It might be a bit melted and a bit marshmallowy, jammy, mashed up, melted by the time it gets to America, but I'll do my best. Yeah. We need to do a video uh, where we send John Dillon British snacks. Oh, we should have like a country contest. We should do fine like, girl, you know... fine girl, get to that grocery store and ask for some wagon wheels and jammy dodgers. If they don't have jammy dodgers, they can't claim to be a specialty food store. <laughs> exactly. Um, this has I'm been... sorry, but biscuits are not cookies. We know about biscuits. Biscuits and cookies are different. Cookies are made of dough. Biscuits are you made know. of meal. Come on, guys. <laughs> Should we be when serious you... now for a few minutes? No, anyway, no, no, no. Um, when you spend all your time talking about sexual predators and <laughs> harmful behaviour, to have a moment just talking about the pleasure of a British biscuit yeah, brings me joy. So thank you. Thank you for that. And like I say, we will hook you up. Consider us your suppliers. Right, Nemo, who gets a background check and who doesn't? I'm okay. going to pop this up on the screen. Yeah, so... Uh, they've split it into state callings and ward callings. If you're in the state presidency, if you're a high councillor, and in that list they've included, included primary presidencies, young men's, young women's, and seminary. Um, if you're a primary presidency and secretary, young and oh, sorry, no. So that would be the high, the primary high councillor, the young men's high councillor, the the ones responsible for those programs. So you've got a mm. high councillor responsible for primary, so they'll sit in on the primary presidency meetings. So that's that's who that'll be. Sorry. Um, then you've got your primary presidency and secretary, your men's presidency and secretary. They're all getting an enhanced DBS check, checking the um, children's barred list. Then the young men's advisors on a stake level are not getting one with the uh, children's list, which would seem mental, right? You play, and, and as Sarah it, pointed out, it seems mad. It but I think it's because of this undertaking activities on more than three days in a 30-day period, and it's about their eligibility for the enhanced check. So the church isn't able, or doesn't feel able, I should say, they don't feel able to argue that these people are going to be in that situation where they're in undertaking these certain activities with the youth on more than three days or, or three well, days in a 30-day period. They well, could was, argue it, but I'm saying well, I don't feel like they thought they could. Well, I was assumption. talking. I was talking over the weekend when I went on a walk and holiday to the Brecon Beacons and ended up discussing safeguarding as we climbed Penny Fan, but that's beside Lovely. the point. Ended up discussing it with 
a Church of England safeguarding need. And she told me that they've re recently started a dementia cafe where they have people with dementia coming in once a week and they're kind of just make, having tea and cake and a chat and all the rest of it. And they applied to get all the volunteers DBS enhanced checked with barred list for vulnerable adults checked, which incidentally the church hasn't mentioned vulnerable adult barred list checking. So we need to go back to them on that one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. but she was saying that the DBS service first came back and said, no, we don't think they meet the criteria. And she put forward a very strong argument as to exactly why she felt they did meet the criteria. And DBS said, oh, okay, then you put forward a strong enough argument. So that's what we need to see, that level yeah. of energy and resources going into getting that checked out. And Robert's yeah. asking, what about the parent helper loophole? If the parent is only helping their child, but if they're going yeah. on a trip with loads of other kids, then they've got to be checked. Yeah. Well, watch for where, because this is going to come up in the list. Mm -hmm. So let's take you back to the list. Yeah. And Nemo, do you want to okay. take us yes, through? Yes, let's just run through this. So Young Women mm -hmm. Presidency and Secretary, they're on the enhanced list. But then the next three, Young Women's Advisors, the Stake Sunday School Presidency and Secretary and the Stake Patriarch aren't on that, aren't getting that enhanced check. And again, I think mm. that's the amount of time they're spending with youth and vulnerable adults. But, you know, how many patriarchal blessings are being done yeah. a month? is the question is how many vulnerable three? adults have a patriarchal blessing it, yeah i mean patriarchal blessings generally are but, done on the youth but right united nations vulnerable mm -hmm. list would say that anyone in the lgbt community anyone mm -hmm. over 65 anyone with a disability anyone from an ethnic minority mm -hmm. can officially come under the Vulnerable group. I mean, if you went to that definition, but, then just everyone would be able to get exactly. an enhanced one. Because yes. that's um, wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. But yeah. didn't Ruth? But I think Ruth made yeah. that very point earlier that we yeah. should be considering everybody as vulnerable. That was the yeah. point Ruth made? Yeah. Well, and I think we're vulnerable just by the structure of the organisation. In as yeah. much as we yes. we um, we hand over power, we hand over autonomy to mm -hmm. the church leadership and and will listen to people we consider to be our um spiritual leaders above our own common sense sometimes which is why people have ended up doing things that compromise their own morals and own own ethics mm. because i was told to do it by my leader so therefore mm. i did it you know you hear missionaries telling tales of things that they were told to do by their district leader whatever um mission president whatever it is that when they reflect on it they think why an earth did I do that well because it was somebody who was in a position of power over you on a from on a spiritual matter and and it's it's another thing that we can beat ourselves up on but we should I, I personally think that we should consider everybody as vulnerable and we could I think we could make that argument in strongly enough to get that that um everyone being on that that sort of first list tick 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 all the way down but also as you've just said for the not just the children's barred list, but the vulnerable adult barred list. Because if yes. you're working with vulnerable adults, it's a whole separate list because you yeah. can get a whole different cohort of predators who target people in that sphere of life. Um, and we need to be checking it. I don't know why why they haven't, but room to grow. 
Yeah. And that's the exciting thing is we may see more come of this. Um, yeah. that, that would be beautiful. Now we're here, we're going to get there. And just in case it, you know, because because I'm super aware that we've been celebrating this, you know, previously, and in case it sounds in any way critical, it, it is, uh, because that's what we do. We're analyzing what mm -hmm. best practice could look like. This is an incredible historic moment that we've been celebrating. Um, we are really excited and delighted and thankful for everyone who's got us to this moment. But let's talk about, you know, here are some of the weaknesses in the system. This is These are very, very early days. Um, mm -hmm. If we know this now, uh, it's part of that sort of feeding back process. Um, yep. So I expect that as this is being rolled out and as training is being rolled out and as people are reading this uh, document today, that church active members who will be implementing this will have these same questions and concerns and that they I've will had be several people back up. say to right. me, oh, what, what are they doing not getting the full enhanced check? What's going on right. with that? You know. And people who aren't members uh, or active members or no longer have their uh, name on the rolls of the church who are invested in this space, um, that voice has to be equally heard because we, we care about it. Um, so yeah, we're all in exactly the same space. Uh, so I just wanted to just put that back out for some mm. context. So Take us back to uh, right. the yeah. And then we're at. you get camp leaders, seminary, stake seminary teachers, uh, or seminary teachers to stake calling. So it would just be your normal seminary teachers yes. and the second adults, which they mentioned second adult a couple of times, which is really cool um, yeah. because that seems to be codifying this idea of having a second a responsible adult in the room, and both of those adults will be checked, which means you, you can't just it... pull some random person in to be like, oh, can you yeah. be my second adult? Because they've got to be DBS checked. On, which is beautiful because i think that's one of the things that has been happening yeah. um and we have expressed concerns around how that happens especially mm -hmm. if there's couples involved um do you mind me asking as the person who is the designated priesthood holder in the group Indeed. even though sarah has the you know priesthood authority of being a safeguarding specialist Indeed. and hers is historic um could i ask if you were patriarch yeah and you know that most of your <laughs> clientele most of the people that you're going to see yeah. you're going to have your hands on their head for an extended period of time mm -hmm. uh what were we talking like 10 to i mean if it was an especially long one 10 15 minutes 20 minutes mm -hmm. um that's quite a what if you don't have any family support if you're yeah choosing not to invite anyone in or you know whether, whether you do or whether you don't you're in this intimate position um and throughout the bible people are in intimate positions you know that's mm -hmm. there's not any sort of criticism of what that looks like but you have hand on head contact you're standing mm -hmm. in close proximity and you're having this moment where the spirit is speaking through you to tell you about the intimate details of that person's uh circumstances on the earth and what it will look like throughout the rest of their life do you think there is a possible power dynamic there that you could argue if you were a state patriarch would you want to be dbs checked yeah and i, I think you'd yeah. want the state patriarch's wife to be dbs checked because then you've got a second adult who's also dbs checked and i believe they have to be married i don't think that was a, mm. an incorrect assumption on my part i think state patriarchs are married older men 
Um, I think possibly one of the reasons they end up emeritus is because their spouse dies. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, like, don't quote me on that. I, I could be talking nonsense, but I, I, I recall. So they're, so they're going um, to get the base level of DBS checking. They're just not, yeah. not going to get that, that enhanced. But I would argue if they're going to have, if they're going to be doing three patriarchal blessings a month, if you envisage, and you could argue that they will be, then they should get the enhanced because yeah. you don't know who that person, it could be three young people in that month. It could be two young people and an adult, it, you know, but because you don't know who that's going to be month to month, it's not predictable. Mm -hmm. I would argue that you could argue the the case for caution, which is, yeah. We'll get them enhanced because it, it could be that regularly they're having three youth see them a month. Um, Sarah, are you still with us? Right, I think we've I think lost Sarah. I, I had a feeling that it got a bit quiet there. Um, there are a couple of questions in the comments that we I'm going to ask Sarah to have a think about because we want to address the ministering companionships and the missionaries oh, that will come up. thing. Yeah. yeah. So the the other thing that that I think is is really important just to give voice again to the victims who have contacted us we have instances where um people are saying the the concerns that they have been raised that have been raised or the reports that they have raised have not led to a conviction and therefore this would not show unless there was an enhanced dbs check so people are victim survivors are very worried about this yes and i think that feeds back to the um, concerns that we've had and that other people have expressed around how the helpline actually doesn't lead to convictions mm -hmm. it leads to um to cases being um taken in different routes yeah um, can you hear me now we can. yes yes we can hear you sarah it could be break. more dangerous to have this uh, this atmosphere where you think, oh, they've been DBS checked, not realising that it's not an enhanced one. So actually, yeah. you let your defences yeah. down more. Yeah, that's so exactly. We do need to find out about the adult list. You know what's yeah. happening to the looking at the adult yeah. barred list, so we need to yeah. think about that for ministering yeah. as well. Yeah. And and just so before we come back to Nemo to take us through the rest of the list and Sarah, if you could have a look at those questions that have been asked, we will get to that. Um, I just want to make super clear that we are coming to them all and but we're going to have to uh, move towards wrapping up so Nemo are you good yep. to take us through I'll, some more I'll whistle stop tour of this last one um, no because it's not tons so if you just scroll up on screen slightly and we'll be able to see the whole list there you go perfect so um, Bishop, Branch President and Councillors, standard, they're getting the full check. So is the Primary Presidency and Secretaries, what you'd expect. The young men's advisors on a ward level are going to be seeing the young men on a weekly basis because of youth nights and things, so they get covered. Young Women's Presidency and Secretary, they get covered as well, again, because of youth nights. Now, here's what's interesting. Because of the new two-hour schedule, you don't get Sunday school every week anymore. You don't get third hour where you used to have youth and young men's, young women's, roof well, priesthood anymore. You do in July... Because oh yeah, on a fifth week. on a yeah on a fifth Sunday month you do, um, so, which is I think what the church should have argued for because what exact, it yeah. seems to be what they've done is they've gone well because you're only going to see them twice you don't qualify in a standard month, yeah. but all they've got to do is argue the exception, yeah. um, and say well actually no we we have a few times a year where they're going to see them more often and it could be that they see them for various other reasons so Sunday school presidency secretary aren't getting the full one which I remember being as a Sunday school president myself getting called in to teach youth classes well, you know? so often it's, happens. it happens uh, teachers in youth Sunday school and second adult again they're not getting the full check which seems wrong yeah. because actually all it takes is a fifth Sunday to come along and they are perfectly eligible for it. 
don't youth Sunday school teachers still sometimes do sort of far sides, give kids lifts to hear their in yeah. yeah, you know, I thought they so did, yeah. They do, so, so they, they would be a good category of, of people um, to, uh, you know, to, to have checked. Uh, teachers in yeah. primary, obviously, and second adult in nursery, great. Um, activity day leaders, understandable, they're one-offs. Um, but again, you could argue if your ward's having several activities a month, if we want to yeah. try and get more vibrant, that, uh, I guess the point is primary music leader getting the full check, seminary teacher and second adult getting the full check, adults serving as ministering companions to youth except parents will come to that. But I think the overall point is the church should not be looking to do the minimal required yeah. of them, yeah. which has been their attitude for so long. And this is part of them changing that attitude and they need to keep changing it. This yeah. idea that, oh, because strictly they don't meet the criteria, therefore we're not going to try and argue it. We're going to say, well, sorry, the law prevents us. The same way they held their hands up and went, oh, sorry, Arizona's law says we don't have to report it to the police, so we shan't. Um, mm. The church has a habit of when the law's inconvenient to them, trying to circumvent it, like with financial declarations in the SEC. But when the law stops them having to go further or just do the moral thing, they're like, oh, well, the law makes it a bit tricky for us, so we won't. And actually, we're seeing this with DBS, them going, well, the law doesn't matter. We're trying to do the right thing. And that's great. But you can see some of the residue of that attitude yeah. still in this. Oh, well, we couldn't quite justify on a simple reading of the rules. So we just won't. When actually, if they pushed, they probably could get enhanced checks for all these. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I think it's, that, about that them, it's about them pushing a bit more, isn't it? Yeah. Right. So can I just clarify then? So you're not mm -hmm. saying that you feel it's because financially they want to save some money. No, you're no. saying it's because no, I don't think it is that. Yeah, no, because I don't either. I'm I'm just I'm curious yeah. to sort of drill down a little bit. Well, because if the they're volunteers thing. because if yeah. the church can argue them to be eligible, then they won't pay for it. Yeah. So yeah, it's, right. it can't be a financial thing. As well, there are a few callings missing off this list. I think yep. some have been mentioned in the comments. One that I sort of spotted as missing was um, choir leaders and, and music directors, because mm -hmm. that actually puts you in quite a position of authority and, and you have a often lot in of the interaction. Alone at the end of the day. Exactly. Yep. You're, you're, you're often out of hours, aren't you, leading mm -hmm. those, um, those situations. And responsible for, for, like you say, locking up buildings, sometimes giving people rides backwards and forwards. Um, I, I think that would be a one to certainly pick up on in the future when they review this list and say who needs to be on it, who doesn't. Um, because, I, I, again, I, I just know historic cases whereby that has been an area of vulnerability. Hmm. I think so part of it is about them getting a bit more on board with vulnerable adults as well. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, if they yeah. got a bit more on board with vulnerable adults, then they could think about like Preston yeah. sees ministering sisters. Mm -hmm. They could think about actually how much contact are those people having but with maybe, adults who may be vulnerable. So they need to get more on board with that. Maybe yeah. this is like Ruth said at the beginning, though, and this is me trying to advocate for the church. Maybe, <laughs> uncommon, but maybe this is them selling it. Maybe this is them saying the thing we can sell is children need to be kept safe. It's the thing yes. everyone can get bored with. Even those really hardcore right-wing uh, libertarian members that are like, no, no government gets to look at what I've done in the past. You know, this this branch of the church that's sceptical of, of government, some of those attitudes have been exported from the US to the UK. We have members like that here as well. Mm -hmm. And so 
the way to sell that to them is like this is about protecting children and yeah. the vulnerable adults argument may not wash as well with those members and it could it could be something that the church can then sneak in through through the back and be like right we're gonna we're gonna add that in as well because we know that is important mm. and they do mention it throughout this document but it seems like the emphasis on the initial cell is on children because that's what everyone can really get their heads around. That would I think be my that's thinking. A really good point, Nemo. I love that you yeah. make that point because we do yeah. want to give as much credit as we can to the church for genuinely yeah. wanting to do this and genuinely wanting to make it work. Mm-hmm. So controversially, though, Kit, just to jump in, sure. the Yvonne makes a fantastic comment, and yes, it relates to safeguarding of adults, um, you know, vulnerable women when abuse is being experienced. Absolutely, Relief Society president, of course, should be should be subject to these types of checks that that absolutely is correct but if um if we take your model uh, Nemo and this is sort of starting to introduce it through looking at uh how we work alongside children the ward relief society president and ward young women's president do tend to work very very closely together when there aren't enough leaders to staff young women you can end up uh, having young women who are sitting in relief society for extended periods of time and so it would make sense to me i guess what i'm saying is this list has been compiled by men <laughs> like i think the lived experience of um women in the church is maybe sort of being overlooked you absolutely want the the release side president to get some special training from safeguarding yeah. specialists yeah, on how to how to appropriately deal with a woman coming and saying my husband is doing this either to her yeah. or her children or yeah. you know that is that that women's only space is valuable because mm. it allows women that break from their husband they might not get for the entire rest of the week to yeah. be able to speak to someone and say, look, I'm in trouble, something's not that right. That's true. When I was really excited... It's president. also really important to identify and recognise that young women are going out ministering nowadays, aren't they? Generally with their mothers, but actually, can we be sure it's always with their mothers? But young well, women are going out. Yeah. I think they have to be 16 yeah. or 14 or something. And could we oh. come back to talk about ministering and yeah. missionary before we finish up? Ruth, could we hear from you? I was say, when I was Relief Society president, um, one of the, the roles that I had to fill was if somebody came to the bishopric with financial difficulties, that they would ask me to go and counsel with them and figure out where their needs were and do a financial plan with them. And that's one, it's it's really confidential information that they're sharing with you and they're having to be very vulnerable. But I'm sitting in somebody's living room late at night, sometimes a couple, sometimes a man on his own, sometimes a woman on his own. I'm putting myself in a vulnerable position, but I'm also um, putting them in a vulnerable position. They're already on the back foot coming to me with a, a financial need or coming to the church with financial need. And I'm sitting there as Relief Society president. You know, there is definitely need for Relief Society presidents to be on that list because they they, oh, yeah. they don't just, they're not just in charge of refreshments activities. They're not just in charge. As you say, they're not just in charge of of doing a lesson and putting a just cater weddings. On, on the piano. That is not part of, you know, just yeah. the only parts of the role. And and there's this constant overlap and meshing of the, the Relief Society president sits in Ward Council, participates in that, but we don't see them in this list because, as you say, the list has been compiled by a man that perhaps hasn't thought about 
all the ways that that, that Relief Society president is inculcated into a lot of the decision making and the the mm. um, the relationships with vulnerable people in that ward. And that could be individuals, it could be families, it could be with the teenage children. It, who knows? She could have a lot of reach into those families at a time when they are vulnerable. And it's important yes. that, that that is a safe person to be in that yeah. position. I, I, I love that, Ruth. I think that's so powerful what you just said there. And it's so important. And just to highlight one of the points that was made by one of our favourite people in the comments, um, and you're amazing. We thank you for your service. Um, this letter was not addressed to any women leadership. Yeah, we, we yeah we stressed that. Yeah. That was a huge. Why was it not also sent to Relief Society young women and primary presidencies? In the same way that, that none of those women leaders are allowed to call the helpline. Absolutely. Well, right. we want to right. make exactly. sure. Well, can we make sure we get the letter to those women that it hasn't gone to? Well, Let's so I know that in some states it has been disseminated down to uh, yeah. all the leadership. So yeah. um, hopefully this is just a case of it was sent to those brethren so that they didn't send it to a massive address book. You know, trying to give them grace. Could They've be. sent yeah. it to, to a set of leaders that can then disperse it further. That hopefully is the reason and not yeah. horrific misogyny. Yeah, but I, I, yes, I would love that. And hopefully, you know, bishops are going to share it, aren't they? When they have the next ward count, so they're going to be going well, to read over the pulpit. If they think, oh, would I it, if see, it this is what I mean. Yes, Nemo, because send it to everyone, send it to people out of the church, send read it to your leadership the in the church, read it on the pulpit because this is historic. Do you think read over the pulpit? Wouldn't it be it amazing? Ask Can I sit you, know you know those little popper things right. that you blow when you want to celebrate? Can I take one of those yeah. to sacrament with me and go boom? <laughs> <laughs> because this is how important it is. And while we are being super critical of it needs to go further, it needs to do this, it needs to have this um, happening, uh, you haven't missed. Yes, it's historic. Really I can and... see a lot of people in the wards heaving a huge sigh of relief because in their day jobs, in their children's schools, yes. this has been normal for 20 odd years. And yeah. now they're going to feel like the church is finally getting on board with something that should have been happening already yes. and doing the simple stuff. And then we can ramp it up. Wouldn't it be great to think that yeah, maybe five, but... ten years down the line, we are role models for this sort of stuff? Yeah. Yes, and, and, and that's what I'm excited about too. I mean, that this, this is what we've been waiting for. But, and, and we've said this before, this almost becomes um, one of the most dangerous times for safeguarding because as people see safeguarding measures being put in place, we start having confidence in the system. We start to let the personal barriers down, the assumptions that someone is making these decisions that actually if it isn't robust enough um that's where kids and vulnerable people and uh, are yeah. going to fall through those cracks that's that's where you become yeah. at your most vulnerable when there is an illusion of safeguarding or and, some kind of gap in the system and so that's that's, that's what our focus is yeah, yeah. And that's, that's, that's one of the real dangers in telling everybody in a community who the sexual offenders are because everybody then assumes everyone else is safe and their guard yeah. is down and people are more at risk. So we need to 
still be pushing that members need to take responsibility and they need to monitor. But we can't expect them to do that if we don't give them information about what they need to be looking for. There needs to be discussion right. about the culture, about grooming, about how offenders operate. And we need to make sure that we have those discussions about domestic abuse, sexual abuse, violence. We need to be having those discussions far more regularly. You know what's great about this letter is that by that tacit admission of saying we need to create a safe and nurturing environment and admitting that it isn't, this letter is an admission that these things happen in our community and we need to do something about it and we are Absolutely. doing something about it. And we haven't had that kind of admission as far as I'm aware. The church has always sought in the past in the public eye to minimise this is just yeah. a few bad apples, this is just this guy, this is just that guy. This is an admission by the Europe Area Presidency that this is something that is clearly happening to the extent where we need to check everyone. Yeah. So I, I don't know That's if it's brilliant. because I'm seeing these at the, the Europe Area Presidency um, action. They're more visible than they ever have been in my entire church life. But I'm kind of feeling like this is the rock star presidency. Like you are you're making all of these historic moves whether it is about ward and boundary changes and closures of stakes, but this is, you know, that you did this. Now, the, so if, if they have felt empowered in understanding the needs of this nation, the people under their stewardship, if they felt able to make these decisions, then what that means is, as you read this letter, and we're pointing out, yeah, but the state patriarch could be could be really DBS checked or the state relief society president, all of these people who could potentially have an enhanced DBS check. There's this part at the end that points out anyone undertaking these activities, they're they're providing you with information that you should feel absolutely allowed to be empowered by. Mm -hmm. If you feel you're in a you're in a calling or you have any access to someone who that that would apply to you um these activities on more than three days and any 30-day period i would expect if i were a sunday school teacher i would be saying yeah that that applies or could apply to me so yeah. i would be looking for that to happen i will make myself available for that to happen um bishops could be potentially seeking to make those changes yeah. without having to jump through a ton of hoops because you know, we we just sort of opened it up almost to everyone who would fall into that category. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, uh, so as we move towards wrapping up, uh, Sarah, could you address Yvonne's question? Are there going to be, will there be safeguarding policy information displayed in chapels like it happens in other churches? That is something that we have requested. We've asked. My chapel certainly has displayed displayed information and posters, but that's because we've had some good discussion and agreed that would happen. We're going to be pushing for that because it should happen automatically. There should be that information everywhere in every building or not just building, but every place where the church holds activities. There should be information on who is the safeguarded lead, what you do if you're concerned about a child, and also, information for children and vulnerable adults about where they get support and people they can phone, like Childline, for example, and 
Samaritans or healthy minds. There needs to be this information displayed and up there, women's aid, etc. So we need to continue pushing until we're satisfied that the church yeah. have done a good job. If any of you want to do that, talk to your bishops and state presidents and say, hey, I've got this child line poster, can we put it up? Hey, I've got this safeguarding poster from the local safeguarding board, can we put this up in the chapel? Take the posters and say, please, can we put these on the notice board? And tell us the response you get, because we will be interested. Yeah, please. And uh, yeah, you can you can make them yourself. You, you can, can ask to be sent them. You can include a photograph of what yeah. your safeguarding lead looks like. If yeah. they haven't been called and you have opinions on it, just talk. Just start talking. Um, Sarah, what about, and, and Nemo and Ruth, what about missionaries? They 100% should be DBS checking everyone before they are allowed to go and serve a mission. They should be absolutely certain about that. They should be having... They should. They mm. should. I don't think they are. Great. They're not on the list. They've got mm -hmm. service missionaries on there, but it, I noted they had got no reference to checking about adults what? or bar lists for children with service missionaries. So I think that's a big issue. Service missionaries serve within their own country, though, and that'll be why they're there. Because what this will be is they will not want to create second-class missionaries because all of a sudden you've got companionships where, you know, Elder So-and-so from Leicester is now serving in America and he's serving with all these American companions that aren't background-checked, and he is. And you're going to create this this disparity, and and the church, yeah, for all their progress and all their world. good stuff that they've done here, they haven't rolled this out worldwide. Well, the this church is... should absolutely not be sending missionaries to foreign countries unless they are. Con and we have significant concerns about this, actually, as well. Significant concerns. They should not be sending missionaries to foreign countries unless they can be confident that there is nothing in their background or behaviour that poses a risk to the people of the nation they're sending them to. So the, the, that should become a standard automatic expectation. Again, it's not mentioned in there like service missionaries. It's They haven't mentioned adults or bar lists. There's work to be done. I think it would there's apply to, to the entire done. missionary programme. You couldn't have this one rule for... I, I agree. Mean, the church is I great at one rule for thee and one rule for me yeah. when it comes to their senior leaders. But, yeah. you know, for the rank of our hmm. members, can they're I, trying to keep things level. Can I just give an example? The... Islam faith within the UK. So all the Islamic faith units within the UK, before calling somebody, they've got a very good DBS system, before calling somebody or well, assigning whatever their word language is for somebody to undertake any voluntary or paid work, they always do a DBS check. But if the person has lived for an extensive period of time in a foreign country, they also ask for a certificate of good conduct from the police of the nation where they were living so the muslim church faith community are way ahead of us on this one we could learn a bit from them they're way ahead of us thank you so much for it because i i feel like this brings us back to what we can learn from other faiths uh whose you know safeguarding plays out in that uniquely that uniquely ecclesiastical way now what i would say about the missionaries situation yes ideally we are going to see this rolled out on a worldwide basis that would be wonderful um it's another win or a brilliant gold standard procedure for the church that while other churches are sort of uh disconnected from each other 
ours does have a global the the church of jesus mm. christ of latter-day saints has a global connected system that while mm. annotations can be problematic in this specific instance it's designed to communicate risk between people now the problem that i would suggest is that when we have well-meaning leaders most instances of abuse statistically we, we know from the statistics tell us that it's child on child that the, the particular risky times are sort of late primary early youth times late youth time um that's got to be relevant as people are preparing to serve missions. And the reason I bring this up is because I just want to take a quick moment just to speak about historic abuse, wherever you are in the world, but particularly because we speak to the UK. If this is something that you have been affected by, uh, it needs to be dealt with in a particular way as a historic issue now if you are feeling like uh, this is something that you need to talk about while we are here what we recommend that you do is that you if you feel comfortable to reach out for support absolutely and we would support encourage you and, and encourage you to do that what we recommend is that you specifically look at going to now sarah what's the what is the name of it is this it's the sexual crimes unit is that right well the, the yeah, there's the um, the Centre for Exploitation, CEOP, the Centre for, there's that, and the, there's the National Crime Service. I think the best way is if people want to report historic abuse is that they talk to the local police, but they say that they want to report this to a specific officer from the yeah. Public Protection Unit. And they so don't, they they don't report to yeah. like They ask for somebody from the public protection unit that is skilled and experienced in dealing with sexual crime. The other option, Jane, that we need to get out there, which is a fantastic option for anybody wanting to report historic abuse, is sexual abuse referral centres. And there are That's sexual was, abuse yeah. referral centres in every city, every town, every area of the country, in the UK, that are run jointly by police, health, social services. They've got a range of services at their disposal. They can take historic accounts. They can record them. Even current abuse, people can go and talk yeah. to them about, and they can catalogue evidence. And you can make that report, you can file it, and then you can say, I'm not ready for you to act on it yet, and then go back when you are ready for them to act on it. So sexual abuse referral centres are fantastic for reporting historic abuse, as well as very, very recent abuse. And so that's something that we would highly recommend that we've learned from working in this space, that um, sadly the and tragically the experiences of, of some of our uh, dearest colleagues have been affected by this and so one thing that we've learned from their experiences is that there is a supported way to come forward with any allegations that you may have if you need support in doing that just reach out and we can we can talk you through that with what that would look like we will offer that we've, support yeah absolutely but what we want to make sure is that when you're ready to talk about it especially as there can be an international element where missionary services involved or historic allegations or whatever that looks like for you um there is a pathway that is open to you that is going to be more designed to understand what your needs are so we just wanted to shout out that if you need any support and and find out a bit more information about that 
do feel free to message us completely confidentially. Um, we do have our survey available as well if you would like to talk about any specific issues or if you need to reach out to us at all. We are here to be able to uh, signpost you to the, the right kind of support for you. Okay, so we've heard about what about missionaries. What about ministering companionships? Can you oh, talk about goodness. that? Nemo, you go first. Yeah, okay, so you bring that up on screen. Um, they've said that uh, ministering companions... So is companions, this on the yeah, screen on that, yeah. here? Right, Adults okay. serving as ministry companions to youth except parents. Now, the argument would be really, because you can't have a rule of two in a ministering companionship, that mm -hmm. adults shouldn't be serving as ministering companions to youth that they're not related to. Because you're going out late at night in a car with a vulnerable young person. You can be DBS checked up to the hilt. It's still not a great situation. Because mm -hmm. like we've said, this is this is where, to my mind, I don't want to get Sarah's thoughts, obviously, on this as the expert. To my mind, this is where that second pillar of safeguarding comes in. It's yeah. the making sure people that have done it before and have been caught don't yeah. have a chance to do it again. Yeah. But even if someone's got a clean DBS check, you're putting the child in a vulnerable position by putting them in a car on their own with this adult yeah. like this. So I don't think, to my mind, it's acceptable to have an adult that isn't related to the child going out of ministry. I, I agree with Nemo. I think the whole having youth going out with adults needs to be needs to be completely rethought. And I am quite aware that the Safeguarding Committee have discussed this. They have explored this as a question and felt it was one that the First Presidency would have to respond to. It needs to go to the First Presidency. There needs to be a decision made church-wide about this because impairing youth with adults, we are enabling a grooming situation environment. We're removing all protection of second people being around, of being within an environment where there might be other people within distance that they can talk to afterwards or whenever they need to we, we actually need to be saying this isn't okay if you are not related to the charge you don't take a young person out I mean, there's, I mean let's be serious there's not exactly that many people in the church to make it that hard is there Sarah do you think that if there were to be as it, some wards do my ward has um, has done this from time to time, particularly when there's youth or perhaps a member in the ministry team who is uh, maybe less available uh, to do monthly visits, uh, that making them part of a companionship of three. Would would that be something that's helpful, not helpful? Talk to me about that. I, th I think it's better, but you've still got the same dynamics. We don't want to create that grooming opportunity. We need to recognise that that grooming opportunity is there. But it would be far better for a father who's got three sons active in the church that he takes each of them ministering with him, but on different occasions. So they each get to mm -hmm. learn that skill. They each get to learn that responsibility. Um, but they're doing it within somebody who's a relative. And um, we get all relatives and families aren't safe. We yeah. know that. And that's why if we can get a culture of, enabling a language to discuss abuse and talk about abuse we're more likely to be able to support and make a difference where there is abuse in families can we come my entire ministering yeah my entire ministering life as a as a youth in the church um was done with men that i wasn't related to because my dad wasn't cool. a member yeah. of the church from the, when, when i was about six yeah. years old so i and looking back on it now yeah i was absolutely in a very dangerous situation nothing ever mm. happened but i was in cars mm. with men 40 50 years older than me going out to then strangers homes um yeah. so again you know it's it, 
All it would have taken was for a couple of nonces in the ward to have worked out that if they can get me to go to his house, uh, it could have been a horrible story. Um, And we have had people approach us, Nemo, with just those stories and have spoken to us about that. And I was that monster. That has reeked in in their child's life and in their family's life. So what would I have wanted as a youth, looking back and going, would I have wanted to feel like I'm missing out on ministering? Well, that would have been a, a place for my ministry companion to say, well, um, or, or for the person that's assigning ministry companions to go, right, he doesn't have a dad, so we can't send him out late at night to go minister with people in his home. Let's have him minister to a family that come to church regularly, and then he has an opportunity to meet with them at church. You know, yeah. once a month, take him out of uh, Sunday school lessons or whatever, and his companion has been DBS checked, and we're in a building, you know, full of people. You can have multiple people there, whatever, right? You, you you can you can now that we've got the DBS checks in play, you can stack the cards to make it a safer situation yeah. in a safer environment. I'm there, my yeah. mum's in the building. Yeah. You know? So And that's what we need. Creative thinking. There's solutions yeah. like that. And that's what yeah. would have been appropriate for me as a youth. Absolutely. And I wouldn't have felt like I was missing out if someone had explained to me, because your dad's not a member, because you don't have a relative you can go with. And this is the way we have to do it. It is. Yeah. And- and how often have we seen in the church that boys whose dads are not active or not around on the scene, how often have they been taken to father and son priesthood camp by another adult member? Happened to me. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, that, it, it that happens all the time. Um, could I come to Ruth? What are you thinking? So I think we're exploring a lot the dynamic between the two ministering um, people in a companionship. And we're not thinking about the fact that they both need to be DBS checked to go into somebody's home mm-hmm. or even to visit with them, you know, go for a walk with them, meet with them in the chapel even. Because, again, you're creating a dynamic of trust and, and a, a sort of a we are here to to teach you or to um, instruct you in some way. Um, and I, and I, uh, we as naive, certainly myself, I speak for myself, as a naive young married woman, I would have just accepted my then home teachers and visiting teachers into my home because that was the polite thing to do. And they could have been anybody. Sometimes they were just anybody. And now, you know, there's it comes out the woodwork years next and you figure out, oh my goodness, I do not want them around. I don't want around them around me as a grown adult. I definitely don't want them around my kids. But they were not checked and they came into my home. And, and so it wasn't about that dynamic. It was about the dynamic of allowing them access to people's homes and their families and giving them a position of trust in that, in those eyes. Nemo. And that's yep. so no, I'm, raised, I'm raising my hand <laughs> and sustaining what Ruth said. Oh, um, just real quick. This is a, this is a, um, this is a holdover or, or a relic um, of the way that things used to be, right? Because the scriptural mandate for, young men to go out and do ministering or what was home teaching is based on their ironic priesthood office ironic priesthood offices that used to be held by grown men used to have grown men that were teachers priests yeah. deacons right and now and since the church has changed it's this 12 14 16 structure they then got pulled into a responsibility that was originally intended exclusively for adults because what can a 16 or a 14 or a 12 year old really do when it comes to meeting the needs oh of the members yeah. of the ward 
as opposed to actually having their own developmental needs met. That's the most important thing. And I get there's the argument for them helping others helps them grow spiritually. I I understand all that. But we need to look at it a different way because it is a holdover from a time when these were grown men. So maybe ministry becomes an adults only activity. I think that'd be more appropriate, frankly. I I think it would. I totally agree with you, Nemo. It should be adults only because we are exposing in some cases young men and young women who are now doing this. We are exposing them to information, situations that they should not have any knowledge about within the ward and within families so i absolutely think it should be only adults it's abusive and harmful for them to actually go into a home and learn and be involved and expected to take on knowing certain bits of information it's problematic but it also makes me think about missionary splits now i can remember my daughters going out with sister missionaries on splits are they still doing that because if so that's another valid reason why missionaries should check before they're going on splits mm-hmm. yeah i don't know if that's still happening i've got to be honest but we know it is it's currently it? things that, that could also be done and and this is a starting point three-page document and we could write 20 more just yes like, yes and i and i think what you're saying ruth is actually probably what what sums this space up for me that um we, we've got this fantastic comment from from one of our best friends that um we're going to have to accept there will be some losses some people will not want to serve uh having dbs checks or a type of training or perhaps feeling like they're being overseen in an authoritative situation by a woman if she's a safeguarding lead um she points out there will be lots of complaints from members about this but keeping children safe will be worth it absolutely and i think that's what makes this time so golden is that we should be pushing back we should be hearing well you know i i don't like this this makes me feel uncomfortable so that we can have conversations about why it's important and challenge that discomfort challenge that bias and it's why the training has to be really good that we are addressing that bias um we are currently expecting bishop state president specialists to roll this program out having a background where church works for them if you if you are still an active member of the church in the united kingdom today then you are privileged you you you're part of the system where the church works for you if you are not, if you're more kind of fringy or if you've kind of left, you can, you know, you, you can speak to those vulnerabilities. You're maybe more aware of what those blind spots are. And then you get this little demographic who are still active in church, who are aware of a lot of what the blind spots are, who are aware of what marginalization and the needs of those marginalized groups looks like and can speak to that and who are aware that they need to continue to learn and grow themselves as a as a church in the UK and well and in the world we are not there yet and that is the beauty of this moment that we can get our teeth into it we can talk about it that's how we got here in the first place so I, I am incredibly excited as much as there is lots that as you heard we dig into that we have lots to say about it we are waiting to see how it unfolds we're waiting to see what feeds back into the system where things are going to continue to evolve that's the perfection of it so i would love to see people who don't feel like they're being dissidents for saying i feel really uncomfortable with this process i don't want to be dbs checked i don't entirely know why i don't want to be dbs checked 
But on the other extreme, people that are able to say, this isn't enough, that mm. I feel like I need to uh, be subject to an enhanced DBS check. Um, we haven't mentioned that the system in Scotland is completely, um, so completely different. It's actually sort of mirrors it. But when we were looking at those logos, the uh, the disclosure and barring service logo isn't it's disclosure Scotland that doesn't appear. So what are the needs going to look like in the different territories around the United Kingdom, so that we can see what do we need to learn about um, as this potentially could roll out across Europe and across the rest of the world. This is an exciting time. Um. I am going to come to everyone for closing comments. Thank you all for for staying with us this long. This is a cause for celebration and uh, we are going to have much, much more to say about this. Um, could I come to uh, Ruth, then uh, Nemo, then Sarah, and uh, we'll see our good night. So Ruth, final thoughts. I'm so relieved to see this letter. It, it It's come a, a good three weeks later than we were led to believe it was it was landing but it has landed and it has confirmed everything that we um were told that it was going to confirm and i um believe it now because i can see it so i'm glad it's first steps it's it's heading into the the light i just want it to carry on going and, and there's so much more growth to be done and i think it it's really positive so hats off to all those that have um been part of making that happen and have been willing to perhaps have some tricky conversations with Church HQ and say, no, this needs to happen in the UK. So well done to anyone who is sat in that space and, and is maybe feeling applauded by it because um, I'm very impressed that it's, it's changes is, is always good. Um, there's so much more to be done and I, I will cheer it on from the sidelines. Yeah. Nemo, what are you thinking? Okay, uh, I'm thinking I'm very proud to lent my yeah. pen to the movement that caused this like i said to exercise my my priesthood in setting sarah apart as a state safeguarding specialist very special moment um to be involved in the historic nature of that and um yeah i, I i'm really proud of you ladies and what you've achieved and and this is this is a win for activism this is a win for people who care about keeping children safe this is a win about people who put um the needs of children above dogma and above the uh sensibilities of those who who maybe aren't used to being challenged but have responded very well to being challenged by mm. and by uh, for the most part uh the leaders yeah. that have been challenged in this process have done a very good job and this is just the start and we can pick holes in it and we will and it's useful too because they don't know what they're doing they don't see it's taken you ladies to advise them to get to this point they they if they knew what they were doing they would have done this years ago so we should treat them with patience in that respect and kindness and and, and whatever but the the biggest kindness and the biggest service to them is to keep looking at what they've enacted and go right now that's not quite good enough you need to improve this is not an issue where you can settle for just about good enough on. This is children being kept safe and vulnerable adults being kept safe. And that's very important. 
Absolutely. Um, Sarah, before I come to you, I, I just want to say, because I forgot to do it earlier, um, Ruth has been doing an incredible section uh, called Corridor Conversations, where she's already had a corridor mm -hmm. conversation with Peter Bleakley and with her friend Nemo the Mormon. You're all loving them. We need more, right? So, yeah. Um, Doug Vincent. So Doug Vincent needs to be on a corridor that. conversation like yesterday. Doug. Yes. Yes. Doug. Yes, Doug yes. would be coming for you. Indeed. So, yeah, more of those to come if, uh, if Ruth is up for it, because we are all loving them. Uh, Nemo the Mormon, what are you up to next? Or is it oh, secret? Uh, well, yeah. some of it's secret, some of it's confidential. <laughs> Can't tell you what the difference yeah. is. Uh, um, there will be Jammy Dodgers involved. There will be Jammy Dodgers okay. involved. Um, some good stuff. Oh, and, and come to the channel on Sunday, because we're going to be going into detail about um, some more elements of this. I won't say quite what it is yet, but there will be more developments on this. And we'll be this yes. group of four uh, will be on the channel. We have plenty to say. Sarah, do you want to take us out with some uh, with a with a final final yeah. thought from you? Thank you. First of all, let me respond to this comment by Doug. Doug, will it translate to changes in the US and the rest of the world? We hope so. We pray so and we will be supporting and cheering on from the balconies anybody who wishes to try to make changes in the country they live in. We are gathering names with people that want to try and make these changes in the country they live in. So we are going to try and set up a Zoom meeting and invite all the people that have expressed that interest to that meeting and talk through what they can do and how they can do that in the country where they live. We felt we had enough on our hands taking on the UK without the entire church worldwide, but we will absolutely stand and support anybody who wants to. So look out for that. I'm excited. I'm incredibly excited that the church have listened to us, that they've talked, they've engaged, they've done all they've done with their safeguarding committee, that the church have actually been able to recognise, you know what, we haven't had this right, we haven't been doing the best we can possibly do with safeguarding, we can do more and we can do better. And I'm incredibly pleased and incredibly proud and excited that that's just what the church are doing they're trying to do better they're trying to be a bit better tomorrow than they were today as they strive to get the gold standard of perfection which we know perfection is unobtainable but as they seek the gold standard in safeguarding we know that if churches are a place where faith and testimonies can grow our children and our vulnerable adults can be nurtured loved and can achieve so much more in their lives spiritually and emotionally and we can be a huge part of that if we just take safeguarding seriously again i don't think i can ever do this podcast without thanking the people who've spoken to us about their experiences and have powered our energy in our hearts at times when we've been a bit oh, we don't know what to do this is difficult that have actually spoken to us about their experiences that have powered us on to want to keep the church on their toes and held to account when I was working, one of the things that we often had was critical friends that were people that would come in and look at our practice and be really clear about things that were kind of really good, but equally really clear about things that could be better or different ways of doing things. And I think we need to continue to be that critical friend to the church where praise is due we will keep the promise we've made to the leaders of this church and the area presidency and lawyers that we will shout it from the rooftops 
But where things need to be improved, we will also come in as a critical friend and say, that really isn't good enough or that really isn't okay and this is how we can seek to improve these things and make it better. Because at the end of the day, all we're trying to do is to say, can we practice what the church preach, which is that the worth of souls is great. Let's believe that. Let's practice it. Let's implement it. Let's do it. There's so much more to be done. There's so much to be really grateful for the lawyers and the church for, so much to be grateful for all of them, for their hard work, their effort, their energy, their motivation, but there's so much more to be done. There's no time for anybody to sit on their backside and rest on their laurels while safeguarding still needs to be done. But just one more comment. I know I've wrapped it on for a little while, but just one more comment. If anything can be learned from this, do not be afraid of taking an activist challenging approach to the church. We have done that. I have been podcasted with Jane Ruth Nemo for months about the problems in the church, particularly around safeguarding. Far from excommunicating us, I now have a state calling. Far from excommunicating Nemo, who used his priesthood to set me apart. Right? Do not be afraid to think that you have to sit in silence when you see things that are not okay. It is okay to raise those issues, to challenge the church and to say, this is what's happening. This is why that's not good. This is what you can do that would be better. So don't feel you have to sit in silence. Don't get your head up off the parapet and speak out. You might end up with a state calling. (laughs) thank you so much Sarah and to those of you who haven't stayed we are indebted to you for the sacrifices that you've made and the pain that you've experienced and what's brought you to this moment Um, wherever you are on this journey especially as the church starts this safeguarding journey we bless it every step what we want to just acknowledge as we uh, go towards wrapping up Those of you who have not yet spoken out, those of you who we've already spoken to who have not shared your story, and those who have and are still experiencing pain and trauma, we honour you. We are trying to make this the safest space where you can experience both justice and healing. We are excited to be in this space, but we will also continue to fight for, for your voice. So thank you so much for being with us tonight. We're going to be uh, back tomorrow night and I haven't even had the chance to tell Ruth and Sarah about this. We're going to be back tomorrow night, possibly uh, with the whole 21st Century Saints gang, if they're doing nothing else. We're going to be talking about a guide to pride and we're specifically going to have a couple of our dearest Excuse transgender me, friends with us. Jane, Jane, just a whisper on the side. Is that not Thursday? It is it is indeed Thursday. It is. It is Thursday. I have lost days. Okay, I take tomorrow night off. Weekend. Back on Thursday. Two days back on Sunday, and then you're yeah. back on Sunday, Ruth. Back yeah. On yeah. So Thursday night, we've got a couple of our dearest transgender friends who are going to tell you. Uh, we're going to talk a guide to pride and how you can be an ally. They're going to tell you what you need to know, uh, because there is a whole. Did you know there is a new pride flag? Did you know that 
there was a need for a new pride flag. Do you know about neo pronouns? Well, you're going to hear all about it and we're going to be really educated. And these, uh, you know, Christian, Mormon, white women are going to do some listening for a change. So that's going to be Thursday night. We're going to be hanging out with Nemo the Mormon on Sunday night and we have loads more to come. So thank you so much for being with us on this journey. Go check out Nemo the Mormon's channel and uh, don't forget to like and subscribe and we will see you shortly. Thank you for being with us. Good night. I'll be in touch, night everyone Bye. and we are also available for biscuit emergency relief <laughs> don't forget to send a message have a great you night everyone certainly recommend the biscuits. <laughs>